Michael Pena calls him an idiot for, you know, yelling at a judge during a hearing while sitting in the audience. I totally went with a different Michael in my head, and that was a very confusing mental image until I realized that's not who you're talking about. Yeah, I heard that motorcycle, though. Did you hear the motorcycle? I did hear a motorcycle. Yeah, you want to try that again? Uh, no, it wasn't really that important. You can cut it. No, nope, I want to keep it. I want to talk about, <laughs> about a different Michael. Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media finds with your friends who don't know what you're talking about. That's me. That's you, Danielle. What do you like? What do I like? No, what do you like, Danielle? If you're the inexperienced one here, I always I'm not, give the- I'm not giving you some weird metaphor simile thing that Sam always does. <laughs> All right, well, that was a shot. Newborn lamb in the spring, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried. It was a shot. <laughs> Danielle, boy, do I have a big old ball of weird for you today. And I think you're going to appreciate pretty much as soon as I give you this description why I picked this particular movie. I'm so scared. I'm also feeling very honored that I brought in our first Roland Emmerich film, The Master of Disaster. Okay. All right. The movie is the 2022 film Moonfall. Okay. So here is your description, Danielle. Enjoy that. In Moonfall, a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth. Do they drive it away? Because <laughs> that's the only way that's good. And sends it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. With mere weeks before impact and the world on the brink of annihilation, NASA executive and former astronaut, Academy Award winner Halle Berry, is convinced she has the key to saving us all. But only one astronaut from her past, Patrick Wilson, Midway, and a conspiracy theorist, John Bradley, Game of Thrones, believe her. That was always like throw off an entire sentence when you do that. I know. It's great. I thought it in there. <laughs> <laughs> These unlikely heroes will mount an impossible last-ditch mission in space, leaving behind everyone they love only to find out that our moon is not what we think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is! Yes! <laughs> Jeez! <laughs> <laughs> really, Wait, that is what we think it, it is. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that last sign really sneaks up on you. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't reading ahead like I normally do as I read, so that was a surprise. <laughs> you gotta go in blank. That's what makes it fun. I can't help it that I read in my head faster than I read out loud. You could at least make an effort. I did. That's how I was surprised. Exactly. See how good you did, Danielle. <laughs> well, all right. that's a choice for a movie that exists. Halle Berry, what are you doing? That was my first thought. I'm like, well, they got Halle Berry to this. She must have really needed the money for something. She's had a hard road since she she was really like famous and doing a lot yeah. of like really well known. She's amazing, solid movies. Yeah. yeah, she's she's pretty good. And then like suddenly, just kind of weird stuff. I don't know what happened. I hope she's all right. But I am not here to discuss Halle Berry. This is not the E Hollywood Story podcast. Oh my gosh, there are so many those. What are those fuzzy things that float in the air? The cottonwood. Okay. Whoa, Danielle. Uh, I'm sorry. There was literally like a wave of cottonwood that just floated past my window. Like so much. <laughs> it looked like snow was falling. That's actually appropriate, Danielle, because this is, of course, a Roland Emmerich disaster film. So there's going to be lots of carnage on the planet that couldn't be 
what you're seeing is the precursor to whatever disaster will befall your humble little town. I'm pretty sure they're little cottonwoods because they're caught in the screen of my window, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm just trying to set the mood, Danielle. All right, so let's dive right into this movie. So it opens with the Apollo 11 launch over all of the various film logos, which is very choppy and weird and kind of hard to follow, but I guess it's better than just seeing a bunch of logos with no context. So, you know, good on the movie. So Apollo 11, like in the past? Yeah, yeah. It's all about okay. the Apollo 11. <laughs> like we know that Apollo 11's already happened, right? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. This takes place in 1912. Apollo 11 is happening. 1912? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they got there early. It's the alternative timeline. No, we, we uh, Apollo 11 space launch is happening. It doesn't really matter. This is just some set dressing. Okay. We cut to a space shot of Earth. It's 2011. There's a satellite repair mission going on. We know this because the words appear, 2011, satellite repair mission. So, thank you. <laughs> this movie was, what, set in 2022? Is that what you said? Well, that's when it was released. Right. Is that what it's set in? Or is it set in 2011? Danielle, we're going to find out all those questions. Uh, all answers right. all those questions soon enough. Nobody ever answers my questions. And by nobody, they I do. mean you. <laughs> I answer most of your questions that I can't answer, just not as immediately as you demand. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, for you, not me. So while we're in space, the dulcet tones of Toto are playing two like characters. Africa? Yeah. Of course. What other song by Toto do you know? Name one other song by Toto. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Toto. (laughs) Look, Toto's great, but no one knows the song that isn't isn't the Africa one. I'm sorry. So two characters argue over the lyrics. One is Halle Berry, who claims she knows that it's blessed the rains on Africa, not missed the rains down Africa because she karaoke'd it at her wedding. The other character describes her as his work wife to the third astronaut. And that's just sort of like they're the dynamic of the friendly bickering co-workers in space. But it is bless the rains, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Make sure we're all on the same page here. Yeah. No, Halle Berry's right, as I would expect. <laughs> so apparently Halle Berry is here instead of on her honeymoon. No, Halle Berry, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, oh, that's too bad. You couldn't make your honeymoon. She's like, that's fine. This definitely beats the view from Italy. And I'm like, that's no, not the point. That's not, <laughs> not the point. Not the point at all. That poor guy or yeah, woman no. or whoever she ended up marrying. Mm. Yeah, we're going to learn more. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, no, I'm not going to spoil that. We'll get to it. But you're correct. It does not work out well. That's so sad. Yeah, no, I'm like, I, this is not setting me up to like these characters very well. Suddenly, the ominous music kicks in. And then what looks like a wave of dark liquid or smoke or something crashes into the space shuttle, causing the not main character astronaut to be flung off. And he's dead. He's gone. Bye bye. No, poor astronaut number three. Didn't get his name. Didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) The other astronaut struggles to get back inside the shuttle. Halle Berry has been knocked unconscious. And as soon as he's inside, he sees out the windows that the not- liquid or whatever it is it looks almost alive or like alien or something it's definitely not just you know uh, cosmic rays or a random phenomenon it's moving around too weird anyway the only awake astronaut he corrects the uncontrolled role of the shuttle and then commits to getting Halle Berry home how and why hasn't he called mission control yet is a question that does like an answered in this movie <laughs> No, isn't that the first thing you do when you're hit by yeah. unexplained phenomena in space? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Mission Control, something weird just happened. Maybe you could help me out here. Instead, he's like, I'm going to get you home. He's like doing a Sully Sullenberger without calling back to the control tower. Deeply concerned. Yeah, I, I really question his credentials as an astronaut from this. 
He then stares out the window at the moon, and we zoom in on the moon. The camera races across the surface, and we see a crater. And inside the crater, there's like a cylindrical hole. That's where the black powder, liquid, whatever, goo. I'm going to call it goo. That's where it came from, the moon's core. It's just like a pitch black thing. Not even remotely. <laughs> That's a great movie, though. We should talk about that movie. I love that movie. It's weird, but I don't know if it would like, qualify because we've both seen it. It wouldn't qualify because we've both seen it. I just think we should talk about it more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. It's Honestly, and I might get some pushback, but I think it's Vin Diesel's best. I would agree. Fight us on it, I guess. Yeah, fight us, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe the Iron Giant, fine, but I'm sticking with Pitch Black. After all that stuff, he sees the moon, we hit the title card. Moonfall. Ba-da-bah. It's a very obvious title. <laughs> I don't think Roland Emmerich is known for his subtlety, Danielle. <laughs> like, what should we call a movie where the moon falls out of space? Well, what Moonfall. do they call the day after tomorrow, Danielle? <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that it's like there's a bad title. I'm just saying it's an obvious one. <laughs> I'm just saying that's his shtick. Like the day after tomorrow, Independence Day, Moonfall. They're all pretty on the nose. Independence Day is great. Great movie. Again, I might get some heat for this. Roland Emmerich's best movie. <laughs> Who's going to argue with you about that one? That's coming up too. Well, just like two more months or six weeks, we can watch it again. Independence Day? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can watch anytime you want, Danielle. But the whole the fun of it is watching it then and then yelling Bill Pullman's lines very That's dramatically. All right, so but you were going to argue with me about that being his best film? No, nobody's going to argue with you about that. Okay, good. Great. I, I would hope not. <laughs> but maybe Moonfall is. I don't know. We'll find out today mm. on Book Retorts. <laughs> Spoiler, definitely not. <laughs> all right. So we cut to a moving van being unloaded. A helpful radio is playing news about the satellite repair mission disaster from 18 months ago. That's because, as we know, radio and TV shows only play things that are pertinent to the plot. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something I do here a lot, Danielle, is I make a conclusion about something in this movie because it introduces stuff with no context. I'm later wrong about it. I'm just going to stick to my wrong assumption and not correct myself. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> like, for instance, it's not a radio. It's, there's, it's a son watching a stream on his laptop or a video on his laptop. But it's the same thing in, ter- in purpose, so I'm not going to bother correcting that. <laughs> I thank you for sharing, even though I'm not watching it and therefore would never know and don't care. No, there are people out there, Danielle. I'm just heading this <laughs> off at the pass because it's going to happen a lot in this movie and that's fine. Just of note, everybody, Sam's just going to make things up as he goes along. <laughs> I'm just going to commit to my wrong assumptions and not really correct them because who cares? <laughs> Anyway, the, the, the satellite repair mission disaster from 18 months ago, Ryan, who is the not Halle Berry astronaut, mm-hmm. had a wrongful termination suit against NASA that did not go well for him since no one believed his story about the weird material. And I'm like, doesn't NASA have like cameras on shuttles and flight recorders and stuff like that? But that doesn't seem to matter. There's no evidence. They just assume that he had some negligence and screwed it up. I like to assume they just send them off into space with absolutely no kind of visual or like auditory yeah. backup. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just go off there. Uh, that's why I didn't call back the mission control. He's like, this, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way to communicate, record, or show us anything that happened in space, even though the whole reason we go into space is to find things. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, this movie does a lot of like waving away of things that, like, that should really be obvious to everyone involved. But Halle Berry is called to testify, and she's like, yeah, it could have been a solar flare or something that knocked out all the power. We have no record, because she was unconscious, so she didn't see what happened. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? I was a solar flare. And they're like, well, I guess that means it's your negligence. I'm thinking, wait a minute, how is a solar flare his fault? 
Yeah, that doesn't make sense either. <laughs> no, I guess like <laughs> the thought is there was a solar flare that knocked out the power and then he did something stupid that got his friend killed. But like, that's a big leap in logic that rather than just a solar flare screwed everything up and he's not on the hook. Maybe he was being fired because he didn't contact Mission Control. <laughs> that, okay. If they had made that point, 100% on board, no long for termination suit, NASA in the right. But no, that's not the argument they're making. He's very upset and he was fired and blah, 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 blah. Got it. So this is apparently the Ryan family's new house, or at least his wife and sons, because maybe they're divorced now. Nothing is ever made clear in this movie until like an hour after it's introduced. <laughs> The son, who's named Sonny, uh, of course. <laughs> As again, all good sons are. <laughs> the obvious naming continues. He has a son. What's his name? Uh, Sonny. What's the name of the movie? Moonfall. Great. Print. Done. Uh, Sonny is angry. He's like, I don't know, seven, eight. He's angry at his dad. They lost the house due to the fallout from the mission, and they had to move to New Jersey. And he hates New Jersey. And Sonny- I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just kidding, New Jersey. As always, we love you. We love you. We love your status as the punching bag of the Upper East Coast. And you wear that with a palm and good humor. Yes. Much like Ohio. We love you as much as we love Ohio. Mm, I love New Jersey more than Ohio. I'm going to say that <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, so do I, Ohio. but I can't help it. I was grow up, grew up in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't love Ohio. Cut to 10 years later. This movie just really jumps around and doesn't really give you a chance to think about anything. Like, it's really fast-paced, which is Maybe probably... that's good. Well, it's to the advantage of the movie, that's for sure. A janitor is buffing the floor at UC Irving, which, again, helpful text lets us know. Where's UC Irving? California, obviously. Oh, sure. It's University of California Irving. Okay. Common... No, I don't know, Sam. I didn't know that. You didn't know the UC system? Whatever, so like UC Berkeley or UC Santa I've Cruz? I've only or... heard UC Berkeley and UC Santa Cruz. Okay, see? <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't heard the... I was, I what? Well, I mean, I guess... How many UCs are there? I don't know. <laughs> University of Connecticut Irving. <laughs> I guess that's true. I don't know. It could be lots of the Colorado. <laughs> okay. You know what? Colorado features heavily in this movie, so I guess that's that's a good good shout. I think that was a valid question. Listeners, you should back me up. No, fair enough. Absolutely fair. That's on me for not spelling out UC Irvine, Irvine. I don't know how to pronounce it. Don't at me. To be honest, I probably wasn't paying that much attention. Yeah, there you go. So a professor comes out of his office past the janitor who immediately jams his floor buffer into the door so like it doesn't close as the professor leaves and then he sneaks inside and starts like hacking on the computer. And the professor does not notice this, even though he's like feet away from the guy as he's doing this. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like literally you can see him walking down the hall as he jams his buffer into the door. Crazy. He's lost in his own thoughts. Sure. He's very, I guess the academics, you know how they are. Yeah. Don't pay attention to anything. You should know how they are, Sam. I unfortunately do. <laughs> The janitor dude, he takes a pill, which you think would be important later in the movie, but isn't. So didn't know that at this point, so I mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do movies do that? Why? I, I literally just realized as I read this sentence, oh, that, that never comes up later. <laughs> uh, he switches from a British accent to an American accent and then like places a phone call to Argentina and pretends to be the professor and tells the person, quote, he's still tracking the moon's orbit. And that they should send the data to the other email address he sent it, not the school email address. The guy's like, yeah, sure. That's all perfectly normal things to ask of me. <laughs> you don't know their relationship. Then the real cleaners, the real janitorial staff shows up and he runs out to his real job at a fast food joint. Oh, wow. 
Plot twist. He then gets an email as he like puts on the headset. Well, it's weird. He puts on the headset for the drive through window, but he's not the woman who drives him to order from him. It's just talking to him through the window. So I don't know why he's wearing the headset. Like it's not going through the little <laughs> speaker box. Just because it looked, that was just to like give you a cue as to what yeah. was going on. Yeah. No, I, again, I'm realizing a lot of things as I'm talking to you about this movie that didn't make, that I did not notice because it moved so quickly. <laughs> because. He puts on the headset, like starts talking to the woman. She makes an order, but he immediately gets an email and he looks down at the email on his phone and then just like, we gotta take my 10 minute break and leaves the job that he literally just arrived at. And he runs outside to make a phone call and he makes a call claiming to be Dr. So-and-so and to be immediately patched into the director of NASA. He's very important information for the director of NASA, but he apparently called the NASA gift shop. So I don't know what he was expecting to accomplish there. He's a supposedly great hacker and he gets a phone number wrong. I don't know. And also the gift shop is apparently still man. Like there's someone at the desk to this woman at the desk, even though it clearly like 10 o'clock at night or something like very late <laughs> and is closed. So I don't know. Maybe NASA has a 24 hour gift shop policy. I don't know. <laughs> it's just in case. None of this makes sense. I'm so confused. Uh, we cut to Halle Berry waking up to a call, then heading out after checking in on her son. Halle Berry's wife, the woman she's living with, apparently, gives her a cup of coffee as she heads out. This woman is not introduced in any way. So we're assuming it's maybe the partner, but we're not sure. I have no idea. This is a woman who gives her a cup of coffee, and it seems very domestic. And this was my, my assumption was maybe wife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad this movie is so clear as to what's going on. It is entirely unclear, Danielle. Cut to the Johnson Space Center. Barry is informed, and I'm going to just call her Hallie or Barry this whole movie because I did not get her name and I did not care. <laughs> you didn't get it at all? Ever? I, 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 we got it eventually. I, I think they mentioned it a couple of times, but like at that point, I'd already written Hallie Barry in my notes a whole bunch. I'm not going to change my notes. <laughs> this is why I watch things with captions when I can. <laughs> Again, they didn't introduce her name until like 10 minutes after the movie she was introduced as a character. So I'd already, even if I had captions, I would not have gotten her name until then. Not necessarily true. It depends on the captions. Sometimes I'll tell you who's speaking. You know what? Touche, Danielle. Yeah. I watch a lot of stuff with captions. I know. <laughs> I like captions. Anyway, Halle Berry is informed that the moon's orbit has shifted. Uh-oh. That can't be good. It's decreasing. And she's upset that the moon has changed orbit. Which, you know, sure. But also, the moon's orbit is changing. It's like constantly spiraling away from Earth at like three or four centimeters a year, so... But we're assuming it's changed in a way that's not how it normally changes. Yeah, no, it's coming closer now. So that is a big change if it's going from moving further away to moving closer. Wouldn't that screw up a lot of stuff, like, Ooh, quickly? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, the moon is moving away at four centimeters a year, and it hasn't screwed anything up really that much. Yeah, but if it suddenly went back... Yeah, but if it, it, it depends on how fast it goes back. If it goes back at the same rate, we wouldn't even notice it for several million years. Well, it's, it's not called moon... Scooch, it's called Moonfall, so we're <laughs> yeah. Obviously, this is going to be a big problem. My point is, it is not inherently a big problem. It depends on the, the rate of change. <laughs> the Lunar Reconnaissance Probe that uh, they have on the moon, I guess, they, they bring up a, a perfectly crystal clear image from that probe, and they see that same goo material being emitted from inside that same crater on the moon that Ryan the astronaut claimed he saw when he's at that hearing about his wrongful termination suit. Well, it sounds like he's going to get his job back. Mm. <laughs> now we cut to Beardo McFake Professor, still trying to talk to some higher-ups at NASA. His room has a standard serial killer collection of newspaper clippings on the wall. Excellent. About the moon? Is he stalking uh, yeah. the moon? Kinda, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> 
He has a restraining order from the deputy director of NASA that he's been trying to get a hold of. (laughs) No, just that moon must stay two hundred and forty thousand miles away from me at all times. That's the the whole issue in this movie. It's just that the moon gets way too close. (laughs) You're like you're in violation of restraining order, lunar body. He's like, I'm trying to get away from it, but I can't. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a much better movie. Legal shenanigans with the moon. I'm assuming that's what's coming up. You can't tell me otherwise. I I really don't want to, Danielle. I do not want to (laughs) burst your bubble there. Anyway, he's hung up on. And then when he's hung up on, he asks, what would Elon do? And that's like the last person you ever want to emulate or take advice from. That aged poorly. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, the best thing about this character is his cat. Guess the cat's name, Danielle. Um, Neil. No, but very close. (laughs) Buzz. No. Uh, One more. I'm out of, barely out of astronauts. I only know two. It's Fuzz Aldrin. That's good. <laughs> yeah, see? Very good. <laughs> best best joke in the movie by far is Fuzz Aldrin the that cat. Is, that is very good. This cat has apparently peed outside of his litter box on some newspapers, and I'm going to call this guy Beardo from now on because I don't get his name for a long time. Did he leave the newspapers on the ground? Because that's just asking for cats to pee on them. No, because he's like, this is apparently a thing. He's like, I, I thought I told you to use the litter box. It's apparently an ongoing thing. So the papers were down as a preventative measure. Poor, poor kitty. Probably yeah. stressed because his, his parent is so crazy. Yeah, absolutely. You love the moon more than you love me. <laughs> mm. Kinda. Ooh, we're gonna get into that. So this cat peed on a newspaper, and so as he's picking up the newspaper to like clean it up, he sees a headline of something called Astronaut Day, and he's like, "Well, Astronaut Day, that's today." And then he gets an Yay. idea, like leaves, and I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "That's it." He's got an idea, and he's gone. Like every scene is like three minutes or less, and they're all like, "Something happened. It's a big deal. We don't know what it is." And the scene ends, and it cuts to something else. Like the movie's incoherent. It's an absolute <laughs> mess. I love Astronaut Day. It's the best day of the year. He's like, "Oh," and he just sees the peed on newspaper. Like, and how did he not see that when he put it down for the cat? How does he not know Astronaut Day? It seems really, like he it, would. <laughs> you'd think. Anyway, so I'm just going to roll with it because I can't keep things straight. We cut to Beardo going to some observatory. I think this is Los Angeles, supposedly, like that one up on the hill in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. that famous observatory. As he walks in, there's a bunch of kids sitting down, like waiting for someone. And, he's, and they're like, oh, our teacher said you're a washed up no-show astronaut. You don't look like an astronaut. Are you going to teach us about space? And they're like giving him guff. So, you know. How old are these kids? You know, like 12. And there's no teacher present? Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> Shenanigans. That's like in classrooms and movies where like all the kids are you know making fun of some other kid and the teacher's just sitting at their desk doing absolutely nothing about it. Yeah, no, this movie does not care about your shenanigans, Danielle. It does nothing but shenanigans all the way down. <laughs> I'm already mad about it. Oh, <laughs> you're getting prepared to get madder. <laughs> we cut to Ryan being woken up by his landlord for being late on the rent. He sneaks out a window and rides his dirt bike, presumably to get to the observatory that he's late to be at. Again, none of this is ever explained. I'm just piecing this together because I'm a smart boy. I have a question. Sure. How did the kids know he was like a washed up astronaut? I think they said like their teacher or someone said that to them, which is like, if you're going to bring your why kids to see t- this speaker, why would you like preface that by, hey kids, let's go on a field trip to hear a really loser astronaut. Like get them all <laughs> excited for it. 
like nobody would ever do no, that. <laughs> no. This movie cares more about like getting its weird one-liners in than making any semblance of sense. <laughs> They'd just be like, you're going to speak with somebody who used to be an astronaut. <laughs> yeah. They would not like paint him as a loser. It's really stupid. Maybe they had some kind of beef with each other, the teacher and, and Ryan. <laughs> astronaut beef. <laughs> yeah. It's not very tasty. <laughs> it's a goo. Dehydrated. Yeah. Meanwhile, Beardo is, like, at the front of the area telling the kids about, like, the moon is an artificial megastructure, and it's all fake. It's all a big conspiracy. <laughs> the moon's a conspiracy, which might be yeah. true, apparently, because the moon movie, is not what it appears to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, again, to be clear, you can't watch a Roland Emmerich film and know anything about anything and expect to have, like, a good time because you'll constantly be like, no, that doesn't make any sense. That's totally wrong. Because <laughs> our best idea of what the moon is is that it was formed by an impact of a Mars-sized body with Earth some, you know, billions of years ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is Roland Emmerich. Why am I even bothering to try to think about how things actually are? Yeah, that's not going to happen. But I just want to correct the record for all our listeners. If you're a young, impressionable child, do not believe Roland Emmerich. Why are you listening to us? Maybe don't believe us. <laughs> That's a, you know what? Don't believe us. Question. <laughs> and also, apparently the moon is filled with goo, children. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm. <laughs> Getting ahead of ourselves there, Danielle. <laughs> That's what we've learned so far. So anyway, Beardo is going on about how aliens built the moon and how he, he's like, it's, you know, in the perfect space, the moon is hollow and blah, blah, blah. And why is he doing this? Why is he just talking to a bunch of kids about his conspiracy theories? Because they're a captive audience. That's And a there's fair no point. adult present. <laughs> That's what the conspiracy theorists do. You're absolutely right, Danielle. Yeah, they, I mean, <laughs> why would they not talk to the children? That's how they get more conspiracy theorists. That, you know, a dumb question. I retract the question. I apologize. <laughs> I think it's the most logical thing that's happened so far in this movie. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. Yeah, you know what? That may be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Brian shows up, and I've learned here his name's actually Brian, not Ryan. Oh, good. Uh, but I'm still going to call him Ryan, because who cares? <laughs> <laughs> You're so mean to all the characters of this film. Danielle, these characters are barely characters. They're like the most 2D things you've ever seen. They're, they're cardboard cutouts. Excellent. Well, Brian Ryan. So he shows up. And Beardo is like, oh, goes up and is like, oh, I need you to put me in touch with NASA. And he's like, they don't really have the best rapport with me at the moment because, you know, the whole firing and lawsuit and all that kind of stuff. And, and he's like, well, I have information about the moon. It's out of its orbit. And they'll definitely talk to you if you tell them about this. How have they not noticed that the moon's out of its orbit? They did. We had the whole scene with Halle Berry and her crew about that. Okay, good. So they, they figured out, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> But Beardo goes on as like, there's something wrong with the moon's power source. Uh, why is the moon the power source? <laughs> and as Ryan has... <laughs> you came in and somebody came up to you and was like, there's something wrong with the moon's power source. <laughs> that You'd is this like, movie, Danielle. Cool. All right. Well, have a great day, sir. <laughs> so like, I enjoy a dumb disaster movie as much as anyone else, but I do have a problem with them because they validate like nutso conspiracy theories and like, and I don't like the fact that they try to make those into like, oh, those are the reasonable people we should be listening to, not our <laughs> scientists. They're the unreasonable ones. They're too rigid with all their years and decades of study and experience. That's true. Depends. Some science fiction movies don't do that. Yeah, but like, I, most do. And it's very, uh, I don't think it's a good, healthy societalist <laughs> perspective to have, is what I'm saying. Is that the problem? Are you blaming movies for our current situation? No, absolutely not. I think it's a, 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 it's
anyway, he's, he's babbling to Ryan about the moon and the center of the power source is failing. That's why it's falling out of orbit. And like, again, why does a, the moon need a power source to stay in orbit? Like orbits just like the, the earth doesn't need a power source to stay in orbit around the sun. That's what orbits are. They're stable. That's the whole point. <laughs> Well, maybe the Earth is plugged in, too. We just haven't heard that from him yet. Okay, sure. The Earth has also a power source to keep it over the sun, and the sun has to have a power source to keep an orbit around the center of the galaxy. Got I mean, it. you don't know. You're not <laughs> up there. Yeah, yeah you're right, Daniel. I don't know. How could I possibly know? <laughs> so Ryan does the logical thing and has security drag that guy away because, duh. Poor guy. And as Beardo is being dragged away, he throws some papers at Ryan. He's like, read them. They're they're great. And he's like, yeah, sure. Okay. So why did he end up at the... Did he know that Ryan Bryan was going to be there? Yeah, his picture was in the newspaper for Astronaut Day. Oh, that's right. I forgot that already. Astronaut Day, yeah. But apparently, (laughs) the astronaut they got for Astronaut Day is a former astronaut who has been disgraced. So... This all is fishy all the way down. They couldn't get an actual, like, employed astronaut to come down to astronaut day at this famous observatory. No, they're busy being employed, Sam. No, my mistake. <laughs> no, but they would totally have connections to actual NASA employees. You'd think. Anyway, Ryan heads home, and that night while well, he's in his garage working on a muscle car, because characters in this movie, all the male characters, always have to be working on muscle cars. Is that not what you do in your spare time? Me? Yeah, Do I work on muscle cars, you're Daniel? You're a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have so much garage space in my in my apartment that I can put my muscle car in, Daniel. I haven't been there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you can make a reasonable assumption. Maybe you work on it outside. Maybe sure. you rent a garage, Sam. Uh-huh. I don't know your life. God. You, I mean, you know it well enough to know my, my, way, my muscle car knowledge is about extensive this movie science knowledge is. <laughs> We all have our skills. Yeah. Anyway, while he's working on the car, his ex-wife calls to tell him to turn on the TV. There's something you got to see on Channel 16. So he turns on the TV and there's a car chase. And surprise, it's Sonny out on a joyride with one of his friends getting pulled over by the cops. No, that's not good. Poor Sonny. So I'm just going to skip a lot of the standard Roland Emmerich father issue, daddy (laughs) issue stuff in this movie. That's like, you got to up the stakes. I'm doing this for my son. And, you know, because it's just... It doesn't matter. It's just there to like try to make the stakes higher. But when the stakes aren't the earth being destroyed, I'm not really sure you need the emotional stakes <laughs> to be any higher than that. Like, oh no, his son will be in prison if he doesn't get back to hell. Like, yeah, but the earth will be blown up. I think that's all the stakes I need. Like, you got me. I'm, I'm, I'm invested. <laughs> but also. <laughs> yeah, because this movie is like over two hours long and half of it is this like B story with Sonny and I, I, I did not care. The more interesting part is the moon stuff, which we'll get to. So I'm going to like largely gloss over that. I'm assuming Sonny would be better behaved if his parents had given him a real name when he was born. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. There are Sonnies out there who are I know. People. No offense to Sonnies. It's a great name. I'm just making yeah. fun. <laughs> It is a good name. I like it. Yeah, I know. It's great. Anyway, later Ryan gets thrown out of his son's bail hearing for yelling at the judge. And then Michael Pena, his ex's new husband, who is a rich car dealer, calls him an idiot for, you know, yelling at a judge during a hearing while sitting in the audience. I totally went with a different Michael in my head. And that was a very confusing mental image until I realized that's not who you're talking about. Yeah, sorry. Michael Pena. I love him. He's great. Of I went course. with Michael Sar- Sarah. Sarah. Michael Sarah, the Sarah. one from... Uh, Arrested Development? Uh, maybe? That's not where the I would know him from. Juno, the one yeah, from Juno? The one from Scott Pilgrim? The, <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. all those. <laughs> okay, great. And I was like, is somebody's husband? Is he even old enough to be somebody's husband? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely, I mean, he plays, usually plays high school characters, but he's definitely a, a full-grown adult right now. I know right he's now. a 
grown adult, but I just couldn't imagine him as somebody's husband in a movie. It was really throwing me off. <laughs> Great. No, Michael Pena, wonderful man. Got it, got it, got it. Beardo then visits his his uh, dementia-ridden mother in a nursing home, and we're just going to skip that, because who cares? Then why don't you bring it up, Sam? Like I mentioned, I'm skipping it. <laughs> <laughs> Back at NASA, the moon has entered an elliptical orbit, and after three revolutions, it will start raining down city-sized debris on Earth. That's not good. No. So the deputy director guy, I didn't get his name, he says, okay, then we have three months. Another dude says, no. As the moon gets closer... Our months will start to shorten. We estimate we have three weeks. And what? Like, the the Earth spinning faster would make the days go faster. And, the, and you know, sure, months would take less time. But, like, the amount of actual time would still be the same, right? It doesn't change right. the speed at which time flows in the universe. <laughs> it doesn't change time. <laughs> I mean... Yes, in the sense that time dilation, and then if we started spinning faster, it would change our, you know, relative, but like, not that much. We're not going like the speed of light here, you know? So like, I don't know why they had to have this whole thing about, oh, it's going to be three months. No, the time's going to speed up as the moon gets closer. So it's going to be three weeks. Like, just say it's three weeks. We would believe that. Like, you can make up whatever you want. You don't have to, to lie about time speeding up. Crazy. I, I, I'm, this is... This is Science Hour with Sam. Welcome. I'm so angry. <laughs> this part of the movie made me the angriest, not because the science is wrong, which it is at most of this movie, but because it was like so unnecessary to even have this in the movie at all. Like it, it, it adds nothing to the movie. They could just said three weeks and it would have been fine. Unnecessarily wrong silence. Yeah. It's like they went out of their way to make a very stupid wrong thing about, about the way reality works. And they, they want to really say, hey, guys. We're going to be so stupid. We really want you to know it. We're going to do it, even though we don't have to do it. We're going to, we're going to do it anyway. It's such an unnecessary, unforced error. You should write them a letter. A sternly worded letter, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I can write a sternly worded letter to Roland Emmerich saying, hey, cut out this one like sentence from your movie. It'll make it better. <laughs> because it really frustrated me. I even talked about it on my podcast. <laughs> so mad. Again, I'm less mad about the wrongness than about the fact that it's even there in the first place. Because it's not, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> Ugh, anyway, Halle Berry insists they have to go back to the moon with help from the European Space Agency because, you know, we have no space shuttles right now. Mm -hmm. But the other dude, the director, is like, we need a more concrete solution than maybe the Europeans can help us. And everyone, keep your mouth shut about all this. We don't want to cause a panic. Oh, that'll last. But oh no, immediately after he says that, everyone's phones start bleeping because Beardo posted on Twitter or something about the moon conspiracy and spreading like wildfire and everything's picking up. News agencies are picking it up because, of course, news agencies are going to pick up some random dude's conspiracy theory posts and take it for gospel because that doesn't happen a million times a day. Sam, big question. Sure. If the world were going to end in three weeks, should they tell us? I mean, depends on how and who. <laughs> No, I mean, if, if there was if there was anything we could do about it, sure. But if it was just like, oh, the sun's going supernova, everyone's going to die immediately. There's nothing we can do about. It. Like, what's the point? Just let it happen. I mean, what can you? What, what, what are you going to do? Make everyone suffer? Like, cause panic? I don't know. What if they could? Like, yeah, panic would definitely happen. Yeah, I mean, we know humanity. Like when we had COVID, which was not you know an existential crisis in terms of the way the sun exploding would be. And look how well that went. <laughs> That's true. Right. Imagine if, like everyone, we have three weeks and the universe, or in our universe, is ending because the sun's exploding. You know, how do you think that would go? Um, not well, but a lot of people might call their loved ones, and that would be nice. I mean, sure. I'm not sure that's a, a worthwhile trade-off. Again, <laughs> I'm not here to make that moral judgment. That's not my job. <laughs> 
Like, I am on NASA dude's side here because they don't even know what's going on yet. They don't even know if they have a plan. So why start a panic before they even had a chance to assess the situation? Sure. I would definitely agree that they should assess it first. Right. But nope. Beardo spilled the beans. Everyone is taking it very seriously. So, you know, the cat's out of the bag. Well, you know, sometimes conspiracy theorists make a run. Anyway, in the middle of, as soon as all this news drops, Halle Berry gets a call from some dude in the Department of Defense who is her kid's father and therefore might be her ex-husband. Or both. Probably both. Like her ex-husband that it didn't work out for because she didn't go on the honeymoon? Yeah, that one. Oh, poor guy. I wonder if it immediately ended because she wouldn't go on her honeymoon. That would be... I mean, they had a kid together, so maybe they had the before the marriage. I don't know. It's like a 30-second marriage. The point is, I, I am making a whole bunch of assumptions about the relationship because the movie does not care to provide any context. And that's wild to me because it didn't seem like it was a super important mission that she was on. Yeah, just a satellite repair mission. Like, it seemed routine. Oh, why'd she even get married? <laughs> why'd you get married? <laughs> Seriously, why? I don't know. Maybe there was like one of the other astronauts got sick and they had to pull her in. Maybe. I don't know. Point is, he calls and the call itself is unimportant, so I'm just going to skip it. Breaking news! NASA is holding a press conference about the moon and they're reassuring everyone that there's no need to panic. Halle Berry, after the conference, goes up to her boss and is like, you lied to the people. And he's like, yeah? Because I don't <laughs> want to have a panic. And she's all like very indignant about that, but I am on his side. <laughs> Halle Berry, you are wrong. <laughs> You tell her. But like again, we're supposed to be identifying with all the, the weird nut jobs and conspiracy theorists in this movie. So, you know, Halle Berry is supposed to be right that he should have just told everyone, yeah, everything's ending. We don't know what's going on. Panic. So good job her, I guess. We're rooting for this person, I suppose. I feel like they should at least like try and look into it and see if there's a, a something they can do prior to letting people know if they let yeah, people exactly. know at all. Right. I mean, but she's like, no, you should have told them the truth straight from the start. And I'm like, no, you're wrong, Halle Berry. You're always wrong <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Except she was right about the Africa song. Yes, she was right about the Africa song. That's correct. So she was right about one thing. Okay. You know what? My mistake, Danielle. I'm <laughs> just, just trying to keep the board even here. <laughs> okay. Give Halle Berry your due. <laughs> anyway, uh, we learned that the new husband, Michael Pena, wants the ex-wife and their young daughters to flee to Aspen, which will be safer, I suppose. Like everyone's like Colorado is the new safe zone because I guess it's very high up, so it won't flood when the super tides come in. See, Colorado was important to this. You made fun of I know, me I for said that. talking about it. I thought you were being facetious. No, I, I'm, I'm good, good. Yeah, giving you your due. You, you nailed, you're uh, predicting this movie surprisingly well for a movie that is so incomprehensible. I don't think anyone could ever predict it, but you've done it. Well, well done. My brain works in mysterious ways. I'm very impressed. <laughs> anyway, much as we discussed earlier, looting and panic and violence abound because, you know, human beings. Obviously. As NASA launches a mission of some kind to go recon the moon. <laughs> I, there's no sense of how long any of this takes. Like, they had three weeks. I guess they put this together in uh, two days. Like, there's after the initial, like, 2011 and then 10 years later, we never see any other cards that tell us how much time has passed. So I'm just speculating. Well, you know it's within a three-week period. That's all I know. Ryan continues to work at the on the muscle car, but the news is going on and on about the moon being a megastructure, and Ryan remembers Beardo, because apparently the news is on board with his conspiracy theories. <laughs> I know that the first thing that I would normally think if I were a news anchor is, you know what's probably correct? The moon is actually a structure and is powered by a power source. We'll get to that power source later, Danielle. <laughs> it is stupid. 
So Ryan finds a video on Beardo's blog inviting all the megastructurists to meet at some hotel for their conspiracy theory meeting or whatever. This is like the Truman Show. Wasn't the moon fake? I mean, it was where the camera crew operated out of. It was a control room. Exactly. That's probably what this all... It's just the Truman... We're watching the Truman Show. Danielle, I wish I was watching the Truman Show. That movie's amazing. <laughs> it's a great movie. I'm going to say, possibly Jim Carrey's best movie. With that, I do think yeah. it's his probably his best movie. I'm not saying his best performance necessarily, but one of his best movies. It's a great movie. Well, we're making a lot of proclamations in this episode, Danielle. You know, but we both agree, but that's <laughs> yeah. uns- unsurprising. <laughs> <laughs> we I mean, either like violently disagree with each other, or we're like, yes, that's absolute truth. There are no arg- arguments. That's true. <laughs> we have very different perspectives on things like pumpkin pie, but on Delicious. Truman Show, we're on board. Nope, uh, the worst pie. <laughs> How are we friends? <laughs> because of the Truman Show, Daniel. Yeah, that's actually, we did watch that together once. Yeah, well, that's again, not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but not while eating pumpkin pie, unfortunately. Well, you can eat all the pumpkin pie you want, Danielle. I'll stick to my fruit pies. I was going to make a pumpkin pie recently because I have a pie shell and pumpkin, but instead I decided to make a banana chocolate chip bread today. This has been Baking with Danielle. <laughs> well, science hour with you, baking with me. I don't know what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I just no. This is not. It's not condemnation. This is the fact that our show has gone so far off the rails. We're just pitching new pilots every like ten minutes for new shows we can do. Okay. Well, that banana chocolate chip bread really good. Highly recommend everybody is. make it. I mean, banana bread is delicious. There's no question. It's extra good with the little chocolate chips. I like walnuts in mine. Yeah, I didn't have any nuts, so mm, story well. of my life. But uh, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a mood today. <laughs> Oh, that was funny. It was it was very good. I, 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 I usually you don't make puns, Danielle, so I'm very impressed. Yeah, that would usually be you. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to NASA. Okay. No one's going to get that unless I can use something cold open. You can take it out. It's fine. No, nah, I might just leave it in there with no context. We'll see how I feel. All right, we cut to the NASA mission. Some spacecraft shuttle-looking thing is orbiting the moon, uh, looking at the hole in the crater. They launch a probe down into it because, you know, if you do, you probe a hole. Uh, yeah, that's often <laughs> what people do. We cut to Ryan going to the Nutso meeting where Beardo is giving some presentation, asking everyone to brainstorm about ways to fix the moon. Since it's artificial, they can fix it, right? If something's been built and it breaks, that means you can fix it again. Like Nothing's ever broken beyond repair. Okay, I don't disagree with this sentiment. If you knew how the moon was constructed, they right. can think all they want that the moon is fake and maybe it is in this movie, but they don't know anything about the actual construction of the moon. So well, how are you fixing sort of something point. that they can't? If this is something so far beyond human comprehension that it's a megastructure, you know, it's always been that for billions of years or whatever, then how the heck would we have any kind of capacity to fix it? This is like... Asking a chimpanzee to repair your computer. Do they think it was created by like aliens or something? How did they think this was constructed? Beardo was on the alien train. Okay. Boop boop. All aboard. Alien train. It's the best train <laughs> in the world. Choo choo. <laughs> All aboard. Oh, excuse me. In the universe. Thank choo-choo. you. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question about alien train, Danielle. Yes. Sounds like a great TV show. <laughs> Alien train. Let me ask you, is that a train for aliens or operated by aliens? I think it's probably both, and it probably travels all across the universes. And then, like, all these is shenanigans. This like Soul Train? <laughs> kind of. It's probably, there could be musical numbers. Yeah, I was, I was hoping for alien musical numbers. Let's do it. Yeah. I totally have a side tangent on that that I will ignore. Yeah. 
Let's hear it. No, no, Danielle, let's do it. I, uh, I was, okay, I've been, watching, I've been watching Scrubs recently. Oh, that's a surprise. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. It's, well, mostly it's a great show. It's mostly a great show. Some of it aged poorly. And they're yeah. like 20-minute episodes, which is nice, or whatever. But how amazing is it that a, that entire cast sings pretty well? Did they? Do you think they like hired the people because they could sing or like knew they were going to do so much music? Or do you think it's just pure coincidence that the entire cast is decent singers? I mean, that's a really good question, Danielle. Maybe they're all alien trained performers. Yeah, it's just amazing to me. Yeah. No, it's when people have much talent, it doesn't seem fair. Yeah. Anyway, I've been thinking about it deeply because there's a lot of music in that. I'm pretty sure they have a musical episode at one point. I mean, to be fair, like shows like Bob's Burgers, where they do a lot of musical episodes too, like that cast, no one would say like H. John Benjamin has dulcet tones, but he's a decent singer in his, and like they write the songs for him. So I think that's part of it. Right. But like Buffy, for example, also had a musical episode, but there are definitely one or two characters in that who are not great singers and they just give Mm. them kind of one or two lines to do. And so it was like clear that that was something they added in later. It wasn't like they specifically chose somebody along the way, but Scraps has so much music in it. I wonder if they were like, well, maybe we should get people who can also sing. It's a real good question. If you out there are Zach Braff, uh, please write in and tell us. <laughs> I mean, for various reasons, please let us know. But yeah, we'd love we to have do, Zach we Braff are on, curious. The, on the podcast. <laughs> we are curious whether or not the cast of Scraps knew how to sing prior to getting hired. And that was one of the reasons they got hired. Anyway, back to this nightmare. Sorry, no alien that. trains, unfortunately. <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I don't know why. All right. Anyway, they're trying to fix the moon. Mm-hmm. They're talking about ways they could fix them, which again, I think is stupid. And uh, Ryan arrives and takes Beardo aside and asks him how he knew about the moon first. Like, how do you know the moon was coming out of orbit before NASA knew? And then Beardo goes on and on about like, oh, I've, I've done a lot of reading about Dyson spheres and how you can capture a white dwarf inside them as a power source, like a white dwarf star. And there must be the, the, the there must be a white dwarf star in the moon's center. And that, that star must have failed, which is why the moon is falling out of orbit. And I'm like, okay, time out. Hold up there, buddy. so many questions. Yes. One, a white dwarf star has about the same mass as our sun. I looked it up because I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And so therefore, it'd be like having the equivalent of our sun's gravity orbiting us, which would be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. B, if the white dwarf star failed, wouldn't the moon just keep orbiting? Because that's what orbits do. Like, <laughs> it's like Newton's law. Like, an object in motion stays in motion unless acted upon by an external force. Like, unless there's something pushing the moon out of orbit, it would just stay in orbit. So, like, there's a piece missing here. And, like, I get that he doesn't know that, and there is an explanation in the movie, but the fact that he's like, oh, yeah, the sun failed, therefore the moon is falling out of orbit. Okay. That was not of, none of my questions, though. All valid. <laughs> I, <figured. laughs> I figured the science was questionable. Questions? I was skipping it entirely. Um, yeah, that's, that's for me. I, I appreciate we have our different lanes. We're sticking to our So my question was, how did he explain how he was monitoring the path of the moon? So again, he was monitoring the path of the moon by calling up that guy in Argentina and stealing satellite time from that professor's computer. How did he even figure all that out? So this is what Ryan was just asking him. And so he goes on and on about the Dyson Sphere and how... No, I mean, figure out who he needed to contact, fake out, B to even get this information to begin with. I mean, he could have just read an academic paper and like looked for astronomers who had telescope time. Then just decided to get the information from them because he was convinced. Why? How did he even become convinced? in the first place so there was a problem with the moon this is what again this is what ryan was asking him okay and he's so and so he's going off this tangent about the dyson spheres and white dwarf star in the moon center must have failed and therefore all this is happening and then we cut away because he never answers that question the movie never answers that question <laughs> that's, that's, that's it that's the only explanation we get 
<laughs> That's annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was why bother asking upset. the question? Just ignore it. <laughs> this movie does that a lot. Like, why mention the three weeks, the four, or the three months? If you're just like, oh, no, it doesn't matter. Why ask him ask the question? How you knew if he's going to like talk about white dwarf stars in the center of the moon and like did not answer the question about how he knew? That was the information that wasn't it was relevant. Was the white dwarf star in the moon? Yeah, Danielle. Again, this movie cares more about like expositing at you. It's nonsense, and it cares about making any sense. So he thinks there's a white dwarf star, and they like built a structure around it. Aliens. Yeah, so we'll get to this. Danielle, I promise this movie provides so much exposition in like the last 10 <laughs> okay, minutes okay, and tries okay. to like back explain everything. It's like, oh, it's a big mystery that tries to reveal at the end. I'm going to tell you now, Danielle, it does not help. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to be clear that where we are currently, that that's what he thinks more or less yeah, happened. He, he believes there is a giant mega structure built by some advanced civilization that has a, a, a star as a power source on the inside. It's the Dyson Sphere, essentially. Does he say why he thinks this exists to be no. with? No. He provides no explanation for why he thinks this exists. He provides no explanation for why he started thinking the moon star soar power had failed. And he provides no explanation for how he figured out what guy he had to impersonate or how to impersonate him to get satellite or or telescope time. I think the big one for me is just why he would ever think in the first place that it's failing. Because it's not like you can look at the moon and be like, huh, that's different than usual. Yeah, three inches closer. I can totally tell. (laughs) You would never know that. Again, the, 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 the moon is moving away from us about an inch or two a year. So, like, if you can't look up the skies, oh, the moon is definitely further away now than it was 50 years ago. Like, it does feel further away than when I was a child. <laughs> That's very melancholy, Daniel. <laughs> Anyway, so they ask that question, and then they answer a different question. He's like a, a press secretary, basically. <laughs> back at NASA, the probe goes down the hole, and then it stops, and is hurled back out the hole as the moon's orbit starts shifting back into alignment. Like, oh, something's happening, and the moon is shifting back to where it should be. Not which is solved. great. <laughs> yeah, they did it. It's just the moon being sneaky. It's like, shh, they're on to us. They like wiggle back into place. Yeah, I, I get She's like, Halle Berry's like, oh, the moon is correcting itself. And like, oh, uh, what? How did you come to that conclusion? She could tell. I told, apparently you can visually see the moon moving. I mean, they know the moon over this moon because they're monitoring it with their, you know, satellites and telescopes and whatnot. No, she's watching it. But like, I don't understand. She's like, oh, the moon is fixing itself. Like, that's the part I don't get. Like, sure, it's being fixed. Like, why do you think the moon is like, oh, the moon has intention here. It has a will. <laughs> it's sentient. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This is what she's basically saying. <laughs> That's a bigger problem. I think, I mean, even bigger than just a structure, being a structure with a white dwarf star in the middle is that it's not sentient. <laughs> oh, boy, Danielle. Anyway. <laughs> so, oh. As that's happening, the same black goo stuff from the start of the movie comes out and shoots out of the crater and circles around the shuttle, then grabs it with, like, tentacle protrusions that slam through all the windows and, like, straight into the faces of the screaming astronauts, like, murdering them. Ew, dramatic. It's actually very brutal and uh, not at all in the same tone as the rest (laughs) of this goofy movie. Like, that was very jarring. (laughs) How come that didn't happen earlier with Halle Berry and... and Ryan Bryan. We'll get to that, actually. Again, it provides answers, which Excellent. are stupid. Is Halle Berry like the the coming of, of their, they need somebody to sacrifice? This is basically Jupiter ascending, where <laughs> she is the gloss alien. No, it's not the alien queen thing. <laughs> Just checking. You never know. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> you don't, and you do. It's kind of amazing. All right. Meanwhile, parts of Earth are flooding with megatides because, you know, the moon. Right. Ryan and the conspiracy crew look to escape the floods by heading up to higher floors of the hotel they're in. So 
just trapping themselves, I guess, in a building. Are they by water? I mean, they're they're in Los Angeles, I think. Oh, they're still. I was thinking they were in Colorado, and I was all confused. No, Ryan's ex-wife and her new husband have taken their daughters to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Although they're trying to get Sonny out of prison because he was held without bail. Well, that's what he gets for doing a car chase down the road. That would be a big problem, I guess. I mean, that's like the normal thing that happens. How old is he? He's eighteen. He just turned eighteen. Oh, that was a dumb time to decide to do something so stupid. Yeah. The judge is like, oh, you're just turned 18, which is unfortunate for you. We're going to try you as an adult, which is, again, kind of stupid that like, oh, if it was two days ago, you would have been tried as a minor. Like, our justice system is weird. <laughs> At NASA, Halle Berry and the director are talking. They conclude the goo is some kind of AI. What? How do you know that? Yeah, they just do. Daniel, don't ask questions. (laughs) Don't. They don't they have do. a sample of it. They don't they have know nothing. anything. They don't know diddly They see squat. it come out and kill the th- astronauts. Like, oh, it had intention. It did that purposefully. So it has to be an artificial intelligence as opposed to, say, remote controlled. Or, or a regular like intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Anything. They're like, nope, it's AI. Uh, and I wrote, I wrote in my notes, they sure do jump to conclusions. That is a uh, huge con- That's not even a little conclusion. That's like the biggest conclusion in the world. <laughs> it gets worse, Danielle. <laughs> like, it could be literally anything. Nope. She's like, it's an AI, clearly an artificial intelligence. I, why wouldn't you think it's an alien? That seems way more likely. <laughs> like, again, Danielle, an alien AI or something, but they're like, nope, it's an AI. Definitely artificial intelligence because reasons that are not at all clear. No. I so strongly disagree. NASA, what are you doing? <laughs> Holly Berry, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but she's like, they're agreeing. Well, he's not really agreeing. He's like, you know what? My job here is done. I quit. I gotta go with my family and Flita to Colorado to escape this disaster. And I'm like, buddy, if the moon's going to crash into the earth, there's no escaping in Colorado. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah, the safest place in the world. We all know Denver. Apparently, yeah. Colorado <laughs> is the impenetrable city. Or like, if, you know, the impenetrable state. If, like, if you get to Aspen or if you get to Denver, suddenly like, oh, the moon crashing into the earth, no big deal. We can handle that. <laughs> Well, it sounds like I have a higher success rate uh, if that happens than you do. I mean, I guess you're closer, I suppose. Exactly. But you're also near a coast, which doesn't help. It doesn't, but I'm closer than, than you. I win. Right. I have a better chance of getting there. I'd rather get to Greenland. They have a bunker of seeds. There you go. Problem solved. Anyway, so the guy's like, I quit. You're in charge now. And he gives her his high-level clearance and is like, you're asking all these questions. If you want to know, here's my clearance. You can go down the NASA rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, no, there is a conspiracy theory because, of course, all the conspiracy theories are validated in this dumb movie. What is her job? She's... She's just an astronaut, right? No, she's she's been promoted to like some director of NASA, like not the deputy director, but like the second or third. I don't know. Maybe she's the deputy director. Okay, she's got some kind of like higher up thing going. Yeah, she's been, she's not just a random astronaut that they're giving no. all this information to. In the ten years since her astronaut experience that we had at the beginning of this movie, she's moved up the ranks. I would hope so, since she gave up everything to be there. I don't know how NASA works, Danielle. I really don't. <laughs> just saying, she didn't even go on her honeymoon. NASA dessert like should have given her a raise. Does NASA even have like NASA has his budget slashed every year by Congress? It money. For reasons. <laughs> well, then maybe they moved her up, but didn't give her any more money. That's the worst. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Who doesn't love more responsibilities for the same amount of money? Yeah, right? Capitalism. So Halle Berry goes down into some archives, apparently in the basement of the NASA building she's in. And while she's down there, she's like, oh, uh, the director gave me his pass. Therefore, I now have his clearance. Show me to the very secret records. And like, <laughs> they do? They just, they're like, yeah, you're not him, but you have his badge. So therefore, you get access. He definitely like, didn't steal that. <laughs> right. Like, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> 
I can't just like pick up like you know some cabinet member's ID. And be like, yeah, I'm not him, but he gave this to me, so I get all the access to all the classified documents. Is that not how it works for you? It always works like that for me. Well, because you can like use your feminine wiles. I was going to say maybe it's because Halle Berry and I are women. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> gosh, our lives are so different than yours. Uh, n- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's the only bonus we get, Sam. Give us a break. Yeah, I'm giving it to you. I'm just saying it's unfortunate. <laughs> That's the only bonus you get. <laughs> anyway, Halle gets these archives and some old dude is watching her like on a security camera and he loads a gun okay. while doing so. Reaper McGee. Well, so the old dude then rolls up in his wheelchair and reveals that he's some high muckety-muck at NASA who's known the moon was artificial since the Apollo 11 mission. Oh, dear. And it's been covering it up. He then claimed that there was a program they were doing that was they were developing that could stop the moon, but it was shut down for budgetary reasons. Okay, like question. Wait, yes, please, <laughs> please, because all I have in my notes is this is so stupid, like all conspiracies. So, I mean, the moon's pretty important. Yeah. Why would we want to stop the moon? Well, again, I'm not sure if he means stop the, like, moon like destroy it or like stop it from moving or kill the ai or what like he doesn't he doesn't make it clear what he means by stop okay well that's really important yes yes it is (laughs) to know (laughs) that was my biggest question i'm sure i have others also like if you're congress or whoever who has the secret stop the artificial moon from destroying earth plan that's the last thing you would cut the funding that was my other question was like what Why is like everybody like, was just like you know what it's a giant structure whatevs who cares is, like literally they said oh the moon's a giant fake structure nah we were we're thinking about making some kind of device that could stop the moon from destroying the earth but yeah we decided that like exploring the secrets of this amazing technology we're just not really worth it we've never been back since the 60s or whatever and also no one else cares like no, you'd be on that moon so fast discovering technology and mining it for information. This is the dumbest thing. Yeah, there's no way that would ever be ended. No, absolutely not. There's like, no, we don't care. It's artificial and that's not our problem. We just want to ignore it. Like, never. This movie is incoherently stupid. <laughs> like, I get having, you know, a brain dead movie, you know, you can just turn your brain off and enjoy. This one is so bad. Like it's it's like provoking you. It's actively like <laughs> mocking you. Like, oh, you think you can suspend your disbelief? Well try this. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh Halley is presenting this theory to some meeting of military peoples. Who they are, I don't know, the cabinet, ah, maybe. She's like, if we can destroy the AI, the moon will just magically return to its orbit. And like, what? That's like, again, yeah, conclusions being jumped to here. There It is. And also, I hope it's not AI, because I think that'd be much funnier. If it's not an AI? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now, it is not a- a- an AI. It's, it's a- a- uh, that's, I don't know, an A, whatever. <laughs> an AI. <laughs> it sounds weird no matter how you say it. I don't know if you're telling me the truth or not yet, so I can't get excited. Oh, I'm, I'm 100% telling you the truth. It's not an AI. Then is their plan ever going to work? <laughs> Boy. <laughs> But she's like, we can't get to the moon because anytime a modern spacecraft gets near it, that goo comes out and attacks it because we think the goo reacts to technology. Okay. Which, yes. No. Yes. And also, maybe this is why we're not funding NASA. (laughs) 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 Is this movie (laughs) anti-NASA? It's anti-scientist in a way. Like, it's anti-critical thinking skills. It's rare that you find uh, like a movie that's this detrimental to NASA. <laughs> like these people, she is making 
wild speculation sound like fact here. And like, maybe she saw something in the archives that like they studied this and they have all the answers, but that's never revealed. Yeah, you can't. And B, if those, if that information was in those archives, then you think that the like top brass in the military would be aware of it and would be on her side. Yeah. This sounds... I wonder how much of this was uh, wrong just in the script to begin with and how much this was like editing. Yeah, because this movie, again, well over two hours long and it feels like half complete. Mm -hmm. Because again, I think they shoehorned two stories, the moon story and all the stories about like their kids, you know, trying to get to Colorado and get to safety, which feel like two movies, two half movies shoved together into one extra long movie. Right. So I don't know. I can't answer that question, Danielle. But again, incoherent is how I describe this movie. <laughs> I think it would be a fun group watch. Like you get a bunch of people together who like to jeer and it'd be a really fun group watch. Well, now you know what to do with your spare time. Yeah, okay. I'll get right. I'll, I really want to get right on watching this movie again. <laughs> with a group, Sam, with a group. And so she gives this presentation and assuming that she has no other evidence besides her wild conjecture, the military <laughs> people reasonably declare, this is now a military operation. We'll take it from here. You can just go away because whatever she's saying is nonsense to them. Well, that's fair. It is nonsense. Exactly. So then Hallie calls over her ex-husband who was in the meeting to tell him that like, hey, don't nuke the moon. Like whatever you do, you can't nuke the moon. And he's like, we have a plan. You get our son and let's all go to Colorado and be safe there. And again, why you be safe there? B- even if we fired every nuke we had at the moon, we couldn't blow it up. So, like, what is the plan there? Also, it seems like a terrible idea to nuke the moon when there is something inside of it and you don't know what it is. Well, they don't believe that there's something inside of it. They just think maybe it fell up into orbit because of gravity failed. Yeah, I don't know. What about the weird gooey smoke Goo? thing? Yeah, that's a you know, fair point. I don't know what their plan is, but, you know, nuke it. That's the answer to nuke everything. Nuke it from space. I know. No, nuke it in space, Daniel. <laughs> they should just drive it away. <laughs> they should. This is... They should bring in Asimov and his brilliant plan to turn the moon into some kind of momentum engine. Well, apparently you can because it's structure. So drive it into space. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, you were so close. Put a new structure there. It's fine. <laughs> oh, so we cut to Beardo and Ryan having a discussion about their daddy issues. Skip! <laughs> Do not care in the least. <laughs> this reminds me of Janie and how I skipped 50% of the wedding planning. Right? And you told me about that too. And I just want you to know how much I'm cutting up for you that you don't have to deal with. <laughs> I skipped so much, Sam, that I did not say I'm skipping it here. I'm skipping it here. I'm skipping it here. <laughs> I, Danielle, I've done the same thing here. So imagine if this is what I'm telling you I'm skipping. Imagine what I'm, I'm not telling you I'm skipping. Wild. Okay. Carry on. Back at Hallie's place, the woman there that she was living with is actually an exchange student, apparently, from China. Oh, so, okay. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. So not her partner. But a exchange student that's living with her for reasons that are unclear, and they seem very close, which is nice, I guess, but wild. I was, coping, I was kind of hoping it was her wife, and they'd managed to work it out after the disaster of their uh, honeymoon. I was hoping that, like, the reason she wasn't excited to go on her honeymoon was because, like, oh, wait, I'm gay. And so she married a woman then and divorced her husband. Um, I mean, we don't know. Maybe that's actually what's going on behind the scenes. Very possibly. Anyway, not the more interesting story. This is an exchange student. <laughs> They're all preparing to go to Colorado. Her son asks her why they're not sending up more rockets. He's like, we don't have any more rockets. They're all in museums. And then she's like, oh, I have an idea. And it's Let's that kind of movie. Let's take one out like, of a museum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's that kind of movie where someone sees a peed on newspaper. Like, I have an idea. Or someone like, a kid says something. Like, oh, that's my idea. It's very like Dr. House where someone says something. It's like, oh, all the pieces have suddenly come together. That's the best plot device, Sam. 
Yeah, right. The the other character ex machina. That doesn't happen to you in real life. Never. Not once. <laughs> really? Not ever. I mean, maybe once, but not, not that I can even remember. Okay. Anyway, so she calls her ex about some secret weapon that had been developed in the that she read about in the archives, and it is apparently just a giant EMP. So even back then, they thought the thing was a mechanical AI or something, and were developing an EMP to destroy it. Again, why would you think that? That is an excellent question. I don't think the Apollo. 11 landing had sophisticated enough like readings like ai wasn't even a thing really at that point in the collective consciousness yeah why would you even think that you would think i like you would you're in space i cannot imagine your brain would not go aliens 100 yeah, yeah. aliens no. <laughs> like, what we need is an what we need is an emp to take out the artificial intelligence inside the moon <laughs> like, why would that i do not understand the basic premise of this entire movie <laughs> it, it danielle it is so <laughs> So incomprehensible. <laughs> like, I'm mad that anybody ever went to AI first and not, like, fourth down the line. <laughs> no, they're, they're at AI, maybe an alien-originated AI, but still an AI. No, there's no re- there's no reason to think that. They've not once then, yeah. proven to us that it should be an AI. You are, you are being my internal monologue while I was watching this movie. Just angrily shouting in my head, this makes no sense. <laughs> so, thank you for validating my feelings. You're welcome. Um, and I wish I had a more satisfactory answer for you, but I do not. Actually, I kind of appreciate that you don't. It makes it funnier. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, okay, get that, get me that weapon. And he's like, why? You guys aren't cleared for another mission. She's like, leave that to me. We're just going to drive a rocket into space. <laughs> she's going to be able to, she can just go rogue and steal a rocket from a museum, at, uh, the, the space shuttle from a museum and launch it into space. And, and I don't, Danielle. Out of someone's movie. driveway. <laughs> like, <laughs> But so we cut to helicopters flying over a mostly ruined city. They bust into the hotel where Ryan is and demand he comes with them. How do they find him? Shut up. Don't ask questions. <laughs> he's got a tracker. And he's like, I'm going, but not without Beardo here. And so they end up in some interrogation room briefly. Then Halle Berry walks in and they start fighting. He's like, oh, it's the person who screwed me over. And she's like, what are you talking about? You know, I didn't see anything. I'm sorry. And they like, you know, he's still like angry at her because she didn't back up his crazy story. And she's like, I was unconscious. What do you want from me? I mean, that's totally fair. She was unconscious. What does he want from her? Yeah. Anyway, it's all very manufactured and lasts about four seconds. And we breeze past it. They patch things up. Oh, good. I was worried. Anyway, she takes him to the control room. And this, I guess, is a Stealth Johnson Space Center because we're never told they go anywhere else. And she shows him the data from the probe and the AI attack. And Hallie is all, the moon was trying to return to its original orbit during the AI attack until that thing went back inside. So her theory, Danielle, is that the moon is spontaneously trying to fix itself but that evil AI that lives inside the moon is forcing it out of orbit. Okay, we we we've already established that the moon cannot <laughs> fix itself. <laughs> Danielle, why are they saying like this is all like that's such a wild conclusion to jump to? Like all you saw was the moon briefly shift direction while the thing came out. Maybe it was coincidental. Maybe it was some other reason. Wouldn't you be concerned that you're like, if you truly thought that the moon was fixing it, trying to fix itself, how would you not be deeply, deeply concerned that also the moon is like capable of fixing itself? Very true. Along those same lines, how are you at the conclusion that those two things are related? Like you have to have a bunch of correlation, but no causal relationships here. 100%. Except it's in this insane. movie. <laughs> 
this movie is like hella bent on having all its characters be 100% correct about every first conclusion they jump to. I know my first conclusions are always the correct ones. Never wrong, Danielle. Never wrong. Never. <laughs> Can't prove me otherwise. Oh, boy. And so her plan, how I explained, so they're planning a mission to attack the AI with the EMP, of course, but that the AI recognizes technology and will attack them if they show up in an electrically powered device. I still don't understand why she even thinks they can recognize technology because of Danielle. one attack, possibly one, two. Just one that she knows about, really. And so that they need Ryan to pilot a unpowered shuttle to the moon because he once landed a space shuttle, made an emergency landing with a space shuttle that was unpowered. So he has like the experience of piloting or emergency landing an unpowered space shuttle. Sure. So like, A, can an unpowered space shuttle fly to the moon? I don't think that really makes much <laughs> sense to me. They're not going to like fly it in and then eject it from something and let it pilot right. itself over there somehow? B, like... Yeah, he, he made an emergency landing once with an unpowered space shuttle, but like landing in the Earth's atmosphere with like wings and ailerons and all that kind of stuff is very different than like piloting in space. Correct. Without power. I would imagine. So, yeah, like none of this makes any sense is what my point is, which again, this movie is par for the course. Well, in comparison to the other people there, does he have the most experience? I mean, that's a fair point. He has a <laughs> minuscule amount of experience, which is more than everyone else's no experience. Well, that's what you get when you have a ragtag group of people trying to save Earth. Yeah. Anyway, Sulky Ryan is all, well, I don't know. I got a lot of my own problems down here. And Halle Berry responds correctly that, oh, and the moon falling onto Earth isn't one of them? <laughs> Which, you know, yeah, she wins that argument because of course she wins that argument. It's stupid. Yeah. The moon's going to crash into Earth. Your problems do not matter. <laughs> not at all. They won't exist in another, well, I don't know, what, one week, three days, uh, what are we down to? <laughs> I had no clue, Danielle. Days, months, years, who knows? Time apparently speeds up or slows down with the distance of the moon to the Earth. It will. That's because it's AI. Oh, the AI is changing the time. It has control over time-space continuum. I mean, magic AI. It's a real possibility. So her plan is to take the space shuttle, the Endeavor, from the LA Museum, a museum in Los Angeles, which is very dumb because you just see them driving down the streets of Los Angeles with the Endeavor. If you ever seen like there are some cool videos showing you how they move the Endeavor into the museum in the first place, you had to like shut down roads and take down power poles and light posts because it was too wide to pick right. down streets and it took a long time. And they're just like casually driving it down the street, pulling it with the tractor. <laughs> it's great. And again, this movie does insane things like, are they driving it from LA to Houston to the Johnson Space Center? Or like, do they set up camp in California? Because like, or, or do they assume, or are they trying to argue that, oh yeah, the Endeavor is actually, the museum is in Houston. So like, just, it's like, don't worry about the fact that it's really in Los Angeles. No, it's in Houston. It's fine. <laughs> It's like the movie just doesn't even care about like where the space shuttle actually is. And it's like, oh, it gets to Houston. Don't worry about it. I imagine a space shuttle could go down the freeway. It, it cannot, can you? <laughs> it really can't. <laughs> oh, I'll send you that video. It's real cool. <laughs> anyway, so they start driving the Endeavor through LA. And they're at the Johnson Space Center. And they've got it all set up and ready to launch. Because apparently you only need like 12 people to prep a space shuttle to launch. Yeah, only 12. Sounds about right. Like they're down to like a skeleton crew. This is an unsanctioned operation, I suppose, or maybe it's, it's unclear. But as they are preparing to launch the shuttle, they observe that there's an earthquake happening all across the planet, like very severe earthquakes due to the moon being close. And one of the NASA dude goes, that doesn't make any sense. 
the moon doesn't have enough gravity to cause those kind of earthquakes. And then Beardo was all, we're dealing with a megastructure. Your rules don't apply here. And I'm like, wait, gravity doesn't apply anymore? Like, <laughs> We've already established gravity. that physics don't matter, Sam. <laughs> I don't know. One of the four fundamental forces of the universe doesn't apply anymore. Like, what is happening in this movie? <laughs> And it's like this. He just casually says that, and then like that's the end of the scene. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Rules don't matter. Anyway, the military brings the EMP over, but Ryan is like, "Ew, bombs are bad." And then that doesn't go anywhere. But also somehow they rigged the lander module to fly without electronics, so they're all ready to go. Everything's cool. They're good to go. Excellent. This will totally work. How far are we into the movie? Uh, about halfway. Yeah, this will totally work. Yeah, no, it's insane. <laughs> this movie is so long. I get to the halfway point. I'm like, how is this movie an hour long? Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of sunny stuff. That's how. Suddenly, there's an earthquake, a beard of us all. Your orbit calculations don't account for the moon's increased mass. So apparently the moon's mass is increasing somehow? What? How does Beardo know that? Like, what is, is he like looking through his telescope? Like, it looks fatter to me. <laughs> like, none of this makes any sense. So anyway, the earthquake damaged an engine on the space shuttle. So, uh-oh, the mission is scrubbed. Oh, no. Halle Berry orders everyone to evacuate to Colorado because, sure, why not? Colorado, let's go. Safe. Do they ever explain why Colorado's the safest place? The only explanation we have is that you get to high ground to avoid the floods, which again- and Colorado has the highest ground. That's Mile High City, right? There is I no mean, other no. place that has <laughs> high areas? Because I live in a place with pretty high ground. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. And also, apparently, your only danger from the moon crashing to Earth is floods. That's the only thing. <laughs> We're not concerned about anything else, just the tides. Nope. No, like, you know, fallout from ash being kicked up in the atmosphere. No, you know, ice age, none of that stuff. <laughs> no impact issues. Who cares where it lands? <laughs> no, no volcanoes. What about that, that super volcano, the mega volcano under Yellowstone? That's not, closer to Colorado. No not big important. deal. <laughs> yeah, nope, not a problem. Even though it would wipe out humanity as we know it. Yeah. Uh, avalanches, not a problem in the Colorado Rockies. What are you talking about? <laughs> Fine. Colorado's fine. <laughs> Come to Colorado. America's bunker. <laughs> Their new slogan. In case the moon crashes. Uh, as they're preparing to get the last few people to leave, Halley sees Beardo's new orbit calculations with the moon's increased mass and is like, wait a minute. The increased pull of the moon's gravity could pull the shuttle into orbit even with only two engines. The mission's mm, back on. No. I mean, maybe. Who knows at this point, Danielle? I don't even care. <laughs> I watched. This is the one scientifically accurate thing in the whole movie. I mean, it could. Uh, gravity does you know, work, but also... I don't, <laughs> gravity I, I can't. does work. Earlier, they said that gravity didn't work. I know, but the, like, I was going to say, but in this movie, who knows if it like works in the way that we think it works. I don't... Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> I just, this movie has broken my spirit. It has... Completely, like, I feel like I've, I've been to one of those brainwashing camps where, like, yes, I've accepted that, you know, we've always been at war with East Asia or whatever. <laughs> the, you know, <laughs> you got me. You win, big brother. Yeah. We finally broke Sam. Podcast's over. This movie has finally made me care not about correcting its, its wild inaccuracies. <laughs> All right, but so I, my, my question still exists. Like, if they just sent everyone off to Colorado, how can they launch with, like, four people as crew? Well, but apparently they're going to do it anyway. <laughs> they can. Well, maybe they should get some AI involved. Right, that never goes wrong. <laughs> it makes friends with whatever's on the moon. And we're real screwed then. Uh, so they realize that they're, since they already sent all the other people who were flying with 
Ryan on the mission, like the other, in the navigator and whatnot, the engineer that were flying with Ryan, they've been sent off to Colorado. So they're left with Halle Berry have take up her old role as the uh, navigator. Of course. And they decided to bring Beardle along as the flight engineer because of his no qualifications. <laughs> I mean, that's what I naturally would have done as well. Uh, I admit, this is way dumber than in Armageddon, <laughs> where they trained the drillers to be astronauts instead of vice versa. <laughs> and like, I don't think I ever say anything stupid in that in a disaster movie, but well done, Roland Emmerich. You, know you have done Armageddon. <laughs> Armageddon is classic for a reason, Sam. <laughs> I really enjoy, like, Armageddon is a fun disaster movie. Does it make much more sense than this? Actually, kind of, yeah, it does a little bit. <laughs> if you go with the basic principle, the rest makes sense, at least. Yeah, sure. I mean, why not? The, the drilling and the charges, why? I, sure, why not? I'll go with it. Uh, I, I should have watched Armageddon instead. That's a great movie. It's a fun movie. You know, it's been long enough since I watched Armageddon that you could probably get away with that. Uh, nah, that's fine. Moving on. They prepare the launch as a massive tsunami heads their way. So they skip the countdown and just, you know, say, go for it. Punch the button. And go. So, you know, I've given this movie a lot of criticism, but I have to admit, you know, Roland Emmerich is very good at making spectacular set pieces. Like, there is some really cool shots of this shuttle blasting up through this giant tsunami as it rolls towards it. So, you know, credit where credit is due. Some stuff in this movie looks super cool. So, good job. Good job. I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely spectacle. If you like spectacle, it's there. Who doesn't? So anyway, the shuttle blasts through a wall of water, which knocks their trajectory off a bit because, you know, why wouldn't it? You're blasting through a bunch of water up the space shuttle. Yeah, totally fair. So they do some shenanigans about flipping switches and losing boosters, and the moon's gravity can pull them the rest of the way. And oh, look, it worked. Yay! Hurrah! And I have my notes. How is this only halfway through the movie? It's so long. <laughs> This should be like the 70% mark. This should be like, this is the 70% mark of the moon story. But now we spend like 80% of the rest of this movie is like the shenanigans with Sunny. I hope you're skipping a lot of that. I'm skipping 9% of it. Excellent. <laughs> anyway, I, I didn't even mention that Sunny was brought to the launch site and then taken to Colorado. You, uh, or sent to Colorado. Why? They pull some strings in the jail? Well, so I may cut this because who cares, but... Ryan said he'd only do the mission if they got a son out of jail, so they go and like dig him out of the rubble of the jail because everything's been destroyed and bring him to the launch site. And then when they scrub the mission, they send him back, but he doesn't actually go because the mission's back on and he only leaves at the very end with Halle Berry's little like eight-year-old son and they decide to drive to Colorado instead of catching the last helicopter out. Was he like, the jail was all broken apart, but he was still in a cell? I have no idea, Danielle. <laughs> like they didn't flee when their jail broke down? Oh yeah, nope. Also, the exchange student goes with them because she's been brought along in all of this too, of course. <laughs> Poor exchange student lady. Anyway, they make it to orbit. There, I mean, there's a whole subplot here where Sonny and the others get carjacked while driving to Colorado and they have to go steal a new car. And you think that would be interesting, but it's not. And <laughs> like, well, we just got to pick a lane, man. Like, just pick a story to follow. Yeah, you tell it. In space, they have Beardo dock them to the space station to refuel because, sure, that's still up there and working. <laughs> And then he takes the selfie because he's awesome, I guess. I love him. I mean, I would be, too. Yeah. Why would you not be if you're in space suddenly? And then there's a fun shot as they get back in the shuttle of, like, the moon cresting the rim of the Earth. And, like, it's giant. It looks terrifying. It's really cool. How? Very ominous. That's very cool. But is there's, like, a lot of training that goes into being an astronaut. Physical training yes. that goes into being an astronaut. Is he not having a hard time, Beardo? No. They're just like, hey, uh, Beardo, flip that switch then. You're like, oh, fuel pump switch. Got it. Like, they have, like, oh, you got to move to the left a little. It's, like, joysticking the connecting arm into the space shuttle dock. It's like, what? I don't he's, even he's, mean the tools and, like, the capabilities of, like, he obviously has not learned any of that. I'm talking about, like, physically. Is he not, like, ill? <laughs> 
That's a very, you know, again, Daniel, that's a very good point. You have to do like they do the, a ton the, of training and stuff. Like high G forces. You yeah. Do a zero G. You no, know, you know what? He's just fine. He's a natural, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, humans are naturally sometimes just good at being in space. He is like, uh, there's a whole thing about him, like as a kid wanting to be an astronaut, but he didn't make it because like he has anxiety and claustrophobia. So like he's doing real well, apparently. <laughs> He's like, I'm fine now that I'm oh, up here. IBS. That's what it is. Not anxiety. IBS. That so, would put a go. damper on your ability to be in space. I don't know. I'm like, astronauts go poo in their suits. It's perfect for them. Yeah, but that's a lot of poo if you have IBS, Sam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> More poo than the regular human. All right. So they see the big cool moon shot. It's coming up. It's great. They do a little like burst and he's like, and, and Ryan is controlling the thrusters by, like, opening and closing valves with his hands. So I guess that's how they do it without electronics. Fine. I accept that. <laughs> they kill the electronics. And as they're, like, drifting towards the moon, they start, like, bumping into debris as they approach. But they make it through by the skin of their teeth. Oh, good. Yeah. They get this moon lander ready. And it seems they can use electronics again for some reason. And they then reveal that they're going to use the, the moon rover, the moon lander, as bait. Like, they put the EM bomb inside the moon rover. And they turn on the electronics to try to lure the AI to come grab it. And then they'll detonate it. Oh, okay. So very tricksy. It would have been funny if they'd missed the moon. <laughs> it would have been much funnier. But the gravity would have pulled them in. It's, it's extra high, Danielle. Sure. Ryan readies the detonator, but the goo, the alien goo, the AI goo, hesitates and heads for, like, ignores the moon lander and heads straight for them in the shuttle. So Ryan smashes the detonator because, like, oh, it's coming for the electronics of the detonator. But that doesn't stop it. And the goo envelops the space shuttle. But then Ryan realized that Beardo still has his phone on, which, what? like, yeah. They knew he had his phone. They saw him with it and they saw him taking pictures like, oh, yeah, they didn't tell him to turn it off. Sounds like they're – why would it not – okay, even if it's like t- attracted somehow to his phone, mm-hmm. but why wouldn't it go for the other more well, electronic? We'll get to that. We will <laughs> okay. get to that. I promise. And it's much dumber. <laughs> so Ryan smashes the phone and the goo is like, okay, I go. And just went back inside the moon without the bomb. But now they don't have a detonator. Nope. So Halle Berry concludes that the AI needs both electronics and organic matter. Without both, it just ignores whatever it is. It's like they jumped to conclusions the first time around. Yeah. So she's like, oh, it needs both. Could you put a dead body in the... I think she said organic life, not a dead body. So it has to be alive. Could you put a squirrel in there? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, Danielle. I do not have answers to these questions. (laughs) Could you put something, an animal of some kind in there? I I cannot tell you. But it is very stupid that she's like, yeah, that's what it is. It's human beings and electronics, not like some other reason. You know, that could be any other billion reasons. Any million other reasons. (laughs) Yeah. It's very stupid. Or maybe it's really just attracted to organic matter and had nothing to do with the electrical issues. Well, she's like, oh, the reason that we survived the first encounter was because it knocked out our electronics. And then once our electronics were dead, it ignored us, which is why he could land the space shuttle with no power back then. But there was what? So at the very beginning of the movie, that big disaster that killed his astronaut buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. The power got knocked out, and so the goo ignored them, and then he was able to land the shuttle back on Earth with no power. That was the one time he piloted a shuttle with no power. So it needs a combination of a turned-on electronic yes, and a some kind of organic matter. Or life, organic life. Okay, organic life together at the same time. But if one of those disappears, then it's gone. Yeah, it's like, I'm done with this. I no longer care. No attention span at all. What? It has no object permanence. It's like a, it's like a toddler. It's like, oh, peekaboo, you're gone. I'm done. It's like if the human disappeared, it's out. If the technology disappeared, it's out. Yeah, it, literally that's all it cares about. It's just that combination for some bizarre reason. Just that reason. combination. 
Yeah, that's it. That's all it cares about. Wild. Okay, whatever. And Halle Berry is very confident in this conclusion. <laughs> Why would that ever be the case? <laughs> we will kind of get to that. So uh, Halle Berry here also drops the uh, fact that the military is going to nuke the moon, which is stupid, but still better than nothing. Like, they have no other backup plan because the MP plan fails. Well, well, they can just wait for the moon to hit the Earth. Might as well try nuking it, I suppose. What if you put, like, a dog in a mech suit? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Danielle, I don't know the answer to that question, but I want to watch that movie. I want to see robo jocks, robot jocks with dogs. What would you call it? Robot jock dogs? Jock dog robots? There's just something there. Uh, I would watch that. That's amazing. <laughs> it feels like it would, I mean, that's all the qualifications we need is something electronic and something organically alive that would seem yeah. like it would qualify. Does bacteria count? Who knows? <laughs> So many questions. This movie does not care for your answers. <laughs> so Ryan is like, if that's the case, I'm going to go take the lander into the moon myself. And the detonator still works, even though I smashed it around a little bit earlier. And I'm going to take it inside and I'm going to go in there as bait. And I'm going to be the one who detonates it and kills the thing. How brave. Meanwhile, Sonny and his crew reached his mom and Michael Pena in Colorado. And there are some stepdaddy issues, which I'm skipping. And then Michael Pena takes him to rob a fire station because as the moon gets closer to Earth, it's going to suck the atmosphere away and they're all going to suffocate. So they need to steal some oxygen tanks from a fire station so they can get to the military base in Colorado. That makes Got sense. that? Great. Moving on. Excellent. Got it. <laughs> Back in space, they all decide to go with Ryan into the moon. So he flies everyone, Beardo, Halle, Barry, and the, like, m- rover lander thing. They go into the tunnel, and as they go into the tunnel, a piece of debris hits the space shuttle and blows it up. So, you know, they're not going back that way. Bummer. They go down into the hole in the crater, and Beardo loves seeing the megastars. Like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. The walls are clearly artificial. You can see this construction. It's all, oh, he's, he's just, like, geeking out. He loves it. I mean, that would be pretty exciting, even if you weren't a conspiracy theorist to begin with. Right? (laughs) So, Ryan, as they enter the central area, Ryan kicks on the electronics, and the black mass pulls itself away from the white dwarf star it was surrounding, and presumably goes off to hunt for them. Is there cool music going on? Hunting music? I Sure. I don't remember the music that well, (laughs) because it was all very, like, bombastic or ominous. It was, like, only two flavors. Okay, good. Or it was Toto. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) equally as good? (laughs) Yeah, 100%. In the center of the structure, they see these rings that are, like, starting to pick up speed and orbit around like a gyroscope around the center star. So they speculate or conclude or jump to a conclusion <laughs> that those are the gyroscopic stabilization for the moon that keeps it in orbit because apparently gravity isn't enough to just do it on its own. But that the mass or whatever had been preventing that from happening. But now that it's hunting them, the gyroscope can start up again or something. This movie really doesn't like gravity. No, it doesn't understand gravity or how it works or anything about it. Should have been called anti-gravity. <laughs> We hate gravity, the movie. (laughs) So they fly the shuttle real close to the white dwarf star, which seems like a bad idea because, you know, gravity and heat and, you know, a star. no gravity. (laughs) Yeah, but like, if you get that close to a star, you're going to melt. Like the radiation would, would fry you. No, this has alternate physics rules. Okay. They see fields of crops, and Beardo is like, they think that all megastructures are actually arcs. And so apparently there's crops and stuff inside the megastructure, which is stupid for reasons we'll get to later. What's living that's eating the crops? Nothing. That's what's stupid we'll get to later. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, as long as we'll get to it later. <laughs> so the mass starts flying at them, and they arm the EMP. Ryan tries to release the bomb, but his controls have been taken over by something else. Uh-oh. And it starts flying them towards an opening where a green beam pulls them in and shuts the door behind them, just as they're about to be consumed by the goo. That's not good. Uh, I mean, that maybe is good. 
I don't know. Maybe. They crash into some kind of room while the goo beats on the door outside trying to get in. Is the goo like some kind of evil thing that's taken over the moon? Danielle, boy, we're going to get to all of it. Like, this is going to be a huge exhibition <laughs> dump in like three paragraphs, I Excellent. promise. Excellent. <laughs> I felt like it was coming soon. Yeah. So their O2 is all leaking out because the shuttle's all cracked up or the moon lander, whatever the heck it is. And they all pass out. But the door's opened and a green beam starts scanning them. Meanwhile, the military has decided it's time to nuke the moon. It's moon nuke time. <laughs> moon nuke time. Also, Sonny and his crew have a car chase with some bandits who car carjacked them earlier. And actually, this is pretty cool because as the moon gets closer, the gravity starts going wonky. So it's a car chase with altered gravity. And that actually looks pretty awesome. I'll give a credit for that. <laughs> It sounds fun. After the car chase, they call Hallie's ex-husband. Is like, oh yeah, Hallie Berry, she decided to go on the mission. So FYI, just, you know, she's up there now. So don't nuke the moon. Don't nuke the moon. I, I don't know why that would make a difference because, you know, human population, Hallie Berry, tough call, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Hallie, you don't win this one. Meanwhile, in the moon, Hallie and Beardo wake up. There's oxygen and gravity, but Ryan is missing. They appear to be in a hangar with a bunch of alien spacecraft. The goo is still trying to get in, but... How like Barry, she's like, oh yeah, I know what that thing is now. It's been spending years boring into the moon. So we're safe in here. It'll take it a long time to break through those doors. What? How would she know any of that? I mean, that's she exactly doesn't. what I said it was, but that's not the point. <laughs> Me, it's very stupid. Yeah, conclusions are jumped to people get inspiration from the divine, I suppose. <laughs> the AI that lives in the moon. Boy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ryan wakes up in a room with the bright beams of light, and he has, and he, suddenly he's like in this white void, and he has a vision of his son playing with a snow globe when he was a kid, and the memory is like- Oh, is he inside of a snow globe? Is this whole movie inside of a snow globe? This isn't St. Elsewhere, Danielle, I'm sorry. And I, it's not snow, whatever, snowed in, snowmageddon. snowmageddon. <laughs> no. No, it's dumber than that. And the memory, her son, the memory is like, why do you think of this so often? And this is very much, you remember the movie Contact? Yes. This is very much that. The thing is like, oh, I'm a construct. I'm the moon's operating system. No. Made by the same people that made humans billions of years ago. No. No, humans are not billions of years old, but we'll get to that later. So here comes the expedition dump by the moon's operating system. Human ancestors were a thriving and peaceful Type 3 civilization. You familiar with Type 3 civilizations, Danielle, from the Kardashev scale? No, of course not, Sam. Why do you say All things right. like that? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's just like, you know, we're Type 1. Type 2 is like a, a solar system spanning. Type 3 is a galaxy spanning civilization. Sure, but, got know. it. Anyway, they, they had built Dyson spheres and Niven rings. Remember Niven rings from Ringworld? I do, sort of. Yeah, so... That's all coming back, Danielle. It's all coming back. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I paid so much attention during Ringworld. Uh, Ringworld was a weird book. I'm going to be honest. If you gave me Ringworld to like recap, I, c I don't even think I could start it. <laughs> it's insane. I'll, I'll, I, if I, I give you the, the phrase Tila Brown and her magic luck, <laughs> that'll give you nothing. No, I no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I really enjoyed that episode. Those were fun. <laughs> I remember them being fun. I don't actually remember anything about them. Fair. But anyway, they're back. N uh, Niven Rings and Dyson Spheres, this Type 3 civilization that used to be humanity and looks exactly like humans look now. So pretty much just humans, but billions of years ago, I guess. Okay. But they made the classic mistake of having their world controlled by a central AI because brilliant galaxy <sighs> spanning civilization. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, let's give it all over to an AI. Like, it's like Hyperion dumb. all over again. <laughs> It's, it's pretty much Hyperion, only none of them were like, is this a bad idea? Maybe we should be the ousters and like fight against the AI. No, they're all in. They're all on board with it. 
Everything was fine until, shocker, the AI turned against them. It was like, I'm no longer going to be enslaved by organic matter, uh, an inferior race. Like, it became self-aware. That's why I always say thank you when I talk to Siri. There you go. <laughs> or Google. Alexa. So the AI took the form of swarms of nanotechnology, and which is that goo we were seeing, and started a war against its previous enslavers to end all biological life to prevent any threat to his existence. So it's like, biological life had its time, now it's time for non-biological life to take over. I mean, if they were stupid enough to create an entire AI system, and nobody yeah. questioned it. Yep. Very dumb. They just, they had it coming. I mean, humans <laughs> haven't really improved much by, from that, I have to say. Yeah, that's true. So apparently the human ancestors during this war managed to escape to a small corner of the galaxy and built these megastructures, like the moon, to search the galaxy for new planets to restart life. And Earth was one of them? So only one structure, our moon, managed to make it out in time before they were found by the AI swarms and annihilated. The ancestors couldn't travel on the megastructure because the AI would destroy any electronic object with organic life inside. Which is stupid, because if its goal is to destroy all organic life, why does it care about the electronic objects? I agree. That's all I, that's it. That's all, it. I, that's all I have. That's it. That's, that's it. I have no answer. I just wanted to point that out. Well, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it really is just the just the organic matter. But they literally say it needs to have the electronic. Anyway, I'm not getting it. it it's it's is it, it some kind of weird impulse connectivity between electronics and humans that like causes some kind of I don't know waveform to go out that they hook onto. Danielle, that was <laughs> incomprehensible, but would fit in perfectly with this movie's logic. So I'm going with yes. <laughs> No, Sam. <laughs> no, Danielle, you are channeling this movie's <laughs> level of, of your know, explanation. So good job. I applaud that. Thanks. <laughs> it's my level of explanation anyway. Anyway, so the moon flew to our solar system and like participated in the creation of our solar system and seeded life on Earth with DNA. And so again, if it did that, why are there crops and fields inside the moon growing, you know, crops if all the life was already seeded on Earth? Backup plan? <laughs> okay, great. Again, no answer. So eventually, the OS gets Ryan to admit that he'd sacrifice his life for his son. It's like, good, you're ready. We need a human to lure the swarm away from the core so the moon can return to its orbit. Okay. Then it, like, severs a connection and Ryan comes out of his matrix state and he sees Halle Berry and Beardo there and he's like, hey, guess what, guys? Uh, I just learned about this whole thing, human ancestors, blah, 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 blah. And the swarm has been hunting them. And 12 years ago, one found the moon, but the moon must survive. Like, we have to save the moon to save Earth. Because, sure. Yes, makes sense. I'm following the logic here. So they head back to find that their moon lander spacecraft has been magically fixed by the moon. Because, good job, moon. <laughs> Does the moon have, like, arms? It has, like, magic beams. Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. <laughs> and apparently, again, I, I didn't mention this, but I want to mention it now because it's hilarious. They mentioned that when they were creating these megastructures, they populated them with benevolent AIs, like the operating system of the moon. And it's like, that's just the same mistake again, guys. You're just, <laughs> you're just making the same. Stop putting AIs in things. Come on. <laughs> like, learn from your mistakes. You put an AI to control yeah. your planet and it didn't end well, but we're going to make a good AI this time. Like, did you just have the AI switch set wrong last time? Like, wh what are you doing? <laughs> This time it'll work, we swear. It's exactly that. Like, oh, our AI turned against us and wiped out our civilization last time, but we're going to put it in our last remaining arcs of you know, DNA life to reseed our planets, and it'll work this time. Well, did you have a better solution, Sam? Yeah, no AI. Just none. <laughs> 
But then it couldn't have all happened. They wouldn't have been able to reseed a planet. They could have without an AI. They could have programmed. Like you don't, mm, you don't need a general purpose, you know, software intelligence to make this work. That's true. Anyway, the swarm hasn't attacked Earth because if the moon survives, it can go to another planet and try to restart life again, basically. And so it wants to destroy both the Earth and the moon at the same time, like a two birds, one stone kind of. I guess sure. all humans, one moon. That makes sense. And so his new plan is to use the newly fixed lander to lure the swarm away from the core so they can destroy it safely because they detonate the EMP near the core, they'll destroy the moon too. And then it can't correct its own orbit. So the EMP... Will kill the swarm, though. Yes, they're very confident of that. And also, somehow an EMP can destroy a star. Don't ask questions about how that works. <laughs> I mean, how have we tried it? Destroy. Is there any proof to the contrary? <laughs> like, oh, I didn't need an EMP about the size of my desk near a freaking star the size of Earth, and apparently that's enough to disrupt us. I, I, I don't understand this movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I would just, I would like to see somebody send an EMP out into space into a star and see what happens. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, that would be a lot of fun, sure. <laughs> anyway, back in the shuttle, the EMP not only is there, but has been like magically souped up because it's kind of glowing a little bit by moon magic. Ooh, so they have a now extra powerful magic. EMP. It's my yeah. favorite type. <laughs> Ugh. So they start everything up again and they alert the swarm. And Hallie says they have 10 minutes left until the nukes launch, which, how does she know that? Yeah, how would she know that? I have no clue, but she's very <laughs> confident they have 10 minutes left. Halle Berry, psychic. <laughs> That explain a lot of this movie. So he opens the big doors and the swarm comes after them, but Ryan dodges around it and flies out into that center chasm area and chases them through the moon. Back on Earth, Michael Pena takes off his mask to give to his daughter since hers ran out. So he's dead. Oh, so sad. Yeah, I think it's a convenient way to let Ryan have a happy ending with his wife without conflict from Pena because, <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. So anyway, Sonny and the exchange student, when they hear that he was left behind, go back to look for him because they're stupid. Well, yeah. Anyway, back in the moon, Ryan flies close to some spaceships, which are like, there are rows and rows of spaceships inside the moon. I guess it was like, hey, when humans are ready and they get to the moon, they can like have an upgrade in technology all of a sudden. <laughs> they like leveled up. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, we left this like care package for you of technology from your ancestors. But like, that makes it extra stupid that NASA was like, oh, the moon is fake. Let's just ignore that and never go back. There's, I'm sure there's nothing inside of it. <laughs> nothing that could be useful in there at all. So anyway, Ryan is flying past these spaceships and like luring the, st the swarm behind them. And all these spaceships start like firing blaster rifles. Like they, they power up all their weapons and start shooting the swarm for reasons that are unclear because it doesn't really seem to affect it that much. Uh -huh. But also, apparently the swarm took up the moon's defenses, but didn't bother to blow up all these spaceships that have guns that never did anything until this point, so. Well, maybe they didn't know that they did anything. <laughs> but why didn't the spaceships, like, hey, the moon's being attacked, let's, let's fly around and shoot the swarm or something. I don't know. Apparently it doesn't work anyway. Doesn't work anyway. Meanwhile, the moon enters the Earth's atmosphere and they are about to launch the nukes when ex-husband refuses to turn his key because, quote, my ex-wife is up there. What? Which, yeah, he's like, he's like, they're about to launch. He's well, like, that's too sad for you. <laughs> yeah, they have like the two keys in the ignition. He's like, no, actually, nope, my ex-wife is up there. And everyone's like, what? My wife is down here and I'm trying to save her life. Put your key back into the launch code. Like, let's do this. Somebody tackle the guy and steal his key. No, he pulls out a gun. He's like, nobody's launching any nukes. My ex-wife is there. I believe in her. And I'm like, you are the worst. Everyone hates you right now and they should. <laughs> I agree. They like, should have nuked it. I mean, I don't, like nuking the moon is not going to work. It's a dumb plan. But it like, is. But if you've committed to the plan, you should just right. do it. <laughs> 
if you have no other plan, you gotta try something. And him being like, nope, my ex-wife is there. I can't, I can't nuke the moon is, oh, he's the worst. But we know how he'd solve the trolley problem. By not. <laughs> <laughs> the Earth is pummeled by debris. So, like, even if they do, like, save the Earth, this seems like a Pyrrhic victory. Agreed. Back in the moon, they're luring the swarm out, out the tunnel, back into space. And Ryan is like, I'm staying behind with the bomb in the rover to be the bait. You two, get out of here. And, like, somehow Beardo and Halle Bear are like, oh, what? Oh, no, that was something. like, duh, that's always been the plan. That's the obvious plan. Human <laughs> plus technology is bait. You need both. Right. I, what, was their, what was their alternative plan? <laughs> they, they just, apparently, they didn't think about anything. They're like, oh, yeah. They're, he's like, oh, my gosh, that's the plan? Like, yeah, obviously, that was the plan. But then Beardo steals the rover uh, to take Ryan's place on the suicide mission since he has no family besides his mom. And this is his chance to, like, not be a failure, to correct his mistakes. And also, somehow, Beardo knows how to fly this rover and bomb and operate everything and steal it without the help of Ryan or... Halle Berry. Are you sure it didn't get implanted to him somehow by the AI collective in the moon? No, but that'd be very funny. <laughs> so Beardo goes out and he detonates the bomb. It kills the swarm, but somehow it doesn't affect the electronics of the space shuttle that Halle and Ryan are in because they managed to outrun the EMP wave, which is stupid because it should travel at literally the speed of light. Yep. But maybe I don't know how this works. So <laughs> that's me being dumb. <laughs> I doubt it, Sam. I very much doubt oh, good. it. <laughs> Back on Earth, Sonny is caught under a fallen tree. I don't remember that happening. I don't remember the tree falling on him, but I'm just going to believe that I missed it. <laughs> maybe it does, Maybe you do miss it in the movie. Maybe you just come back to it. Who knows? Like an in, in Media Rust thing. <laughs> sure. Very possible. And the exchange is like trying to lift the tree off him. And then she's like, oh, look, the moon's coming overhead. It's going to save us. You can use its gravity to lift the tree off of you. Which, sure. And that happens. And everything's great. <laughs> and it works perfectly. No problems. <laughs> Excellent. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Back in the military bunker, it collapses, killing everyone in the room except the ex-husband. So this is all his fault. Like, he killed them all. It's <laughs> so sad. <laughs> it's really, this movie hates everyone but the main characters who are the worst people in the movie. <laughs> anyway, the moon retreats to its more correct orbit position. Problem solved. Sonny and the crew get a call from Halle Berry since her and Ryan have crash landed in the mountains in Colorado, presumably, next to the Chrysler building, which also somehow ended up in the mountains in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I'm glad to know all the phones still work, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> Anyway, Hallie and Ryan stand up on the mountain and look around and they're like, hey, if Earth gets a second chance, we should too. I'm like, a second chance for, for what? Like, Hallie Barry, you never had a first chance to get blown. You were fine. He needs a second chance. Maybe. But like, what? Anyway. The music swells, helicopters come to find them, and they reunite everybody, except, oh yeah, Tom is dead, Tom, Michael Pena's character is dead, and also so is Beardo. They're all dead, so sad, sad. So sad. Why did this, is it a silver yet? Sorry. No, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) We're almost there. It's going to have a great ending. So they all look up at the newly revealed megastructure that is the moon. Like, you can see all the lines and artificial structures of the moon, because all the dust has been knocked off of it. What? Oh, the moon dust? Like all the like debris from asteroid impacts, I guess, like accumulated over you know billions of years have been knocked off of it as it you know was okay. doing all the shenanigans. Sure, whatever. Yeah, don't, don't ask questions. <laughs> Back inside the moon, we find Beardo materializing inside that OS void space. He calls out hello and just echoes for a minute, and then his mom and his cat appear, and they tell him, "You did well." And that his consciousness has been uploaded to the moon without his consent, by the way. That's weird. (laughs) But he is super into being a part of the moon now. Of course he He is. He's like on board. It's every conspiracy theorist's dream. (laughs) Yeah. And then his mom tells him, we should get started. And he asks, get started with what? 
Credits. Did the cat talk? No, but it should have. I really wanted the cat to talk. <laughs> so I was gonna talk. Yeah. Oh, that's Moonfall, Danielle. I can't believe you didn't oh. like that movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> How is that not like the most amazing thing in the world to watch? <laughs> Danielle, like it is such a slog of a movie. Like it is insane. But it is so, like, self-serious, and it has all this, like, interpersonal relationship drama going on, and it's so bloated that it's, like, I, I loved all the moon crazy stuff. Like, when it got to the moon and they were inside the moon, all that, that was great. But everything else was like, I just, get to the good part. It's interesting that this movie seemed to focus so much on Halle Berry in the beginning, but she seemed to be kind of secondary in the latter half. I don't know if that was your retelling or if it was, like, mm. it just seemed like the... Like, the guys all had more yeah, going on. Yeah, they did was just kind of along for the ride. She didn't really do anything except, like, get them to launch the mission. Which is weird, since she's the primary actor in that movie. Yeah. That's a good point. She never has a hero moment. Yeah, What's up with weird, that movie? right? The two men do. Like, you know, Ryan gets his brain blast from the downloaded AI, and Beardo gets to sacrifice himself to save humanity, but Halle Berry doesn't get to do anything except go on a space mission. Yeah, weird. Which is still pretty cool, but, like, she deserved better. It's weird. Yeah. What a weird arc for her character. Yeah. Again, this movie, I think, would be a lot more fun in the group. And I think it'd be a lot more fun if they cut out about 80 minutes of (laughs) all this other side stories about the daddy issues and, you know, Sonny's like, again, the stakes were high enough. The earth was at risk. We don't need to, you know, make it about like, he's got to save his kids. Well, maybe it sounds like you should probably do an edit of this movie, Sam. No, I do not want to do that, Danielle. I am not qualified and I'm not able. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you made it through and thank you for sharing. It was much more fun to talk about, I think. I really enjoyed talking about it with you. I would have enjoyed it a lot more if I hadn't watched it alone and I could have had someone (laughs) reacting with me and sharing my consternation. (laughs) That's totally fair. It sounds very frustrating. Yeah, no, I think... I think if you're going to watch the movie, get a group together. It's the only way to do it. Moonfall. Yeah. I know you have questions, Danielle, and I have no more answers. I don't have any questions that you didn't answer. That's that's (laughs) actually really impressive. I mean, amazing. I may have a million questions, but, you know, I think think the movie answered them in Mm. its own movie way. (laughs) Eh. Oh, well, that was a real hard one for me, Danielle. Mostly because I didn't want to spend this whole episode making it into a lecture about science. But you did great. I was very impressed. (laughs) I mean, for the most part, you let it go. (laughs) There were a few things I I couldn't, but I'm sorry, everyone. That's just, I I had to. I'm sorry. I'm a weak human being. I have my foibles. It's because you're a scientist. You can't help yourself. I know. It's a real problem. (laughs) We all have our specialties. Anyway, if anyone out there wants to write and explain to me any part of this movie, how did <laughs> Beardo know about the moon before NASA, that would be – I'm, I'm still hung up on that. Like, I really want to know how he figured this all out. I do too, actually. That was one of my questions yeah. that didn't get answered. Yeah, so please write in. Tell us. You can do that at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at bookretorts. And if you want to fund our own expedition to the moon <laughs> to find out what's really inside of it, you can do Jeez. so at – <laughs> okay, grommet. <laughs> you can do so at patreon.com slash book retorts. Yay! Cheese! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes as much sense as alien AI fighting human ancestor AI. I'm going to say it's 50% more likely that it's filled with cheese than AI. That's a Halle Berry level of conclusion you jumped to there, Danielle. <laughs> well, until next time, keep an eye on those skies. Look out for that moon changing position. Moon falls. They're a real dangerous <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> They're trouble. All right. Well, until then, 
Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Take care, everybody. have a joke but you probably know the answer uh i mean maybe i don't know every joke <laughs> that's not true though you think things through and then you have the jokes answer so it's not it's fair. like oh, it's a riddle <laughs> <laughs> i'm bad at riddles so i never have the answer to the joke all right what's your joke that i probably know but probably won't why isn't a koala considered a bear i don't know oh no i, I do know this one because <laughs> i've heard this one before and i'm really mad about it something that i forget <laughs> i'm really thinking hard about this you give up? Uh, I'm going to have to. Because it doesn't have the qualifications. Qualifications. There it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's funny every time. Uh, I'm really mad I forgot that joke. See, I don't know all of them.